Welcome to Media Evil, a medieval pop culture podcast, where we talk about how medieval and medieval-inspired movies, TV, and books depict the medieval world. What did they get right? What did they get wrong? And what did they tell us about how modern people see the medieval past? I'm Sarah Ifch-Decker, a medieval historian, and today I'm joined once again by fellow medievalist Peter Kondyeshny to discuss the anime series Naruto. So Peter, welcome. Thank you for coming. Oh, hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me back. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and about why you wanted to talk about this particular piece of media, which you actually pitched to me, as opposed to when I inflict things on people, which also sometimes happens. I'm the editor of Medievalist.net, which is kind of like one of the main websites for all things Middle Ages. I've been kind of doing that for about like 10, 15 years, and we're having... We cover lots and lots of different things, but we do, uh, one of the things is like uh, medievalism and how the Middle Ages get depicted in books and magazine, mm-hmm. uh, uh, movies, uh, TV shows, things like that. The main justification for Naruto is uh, it justifies my uh, hundreds of hours that I've spent watching this. <laughs> but what I kind of thought is like, this is a, a one of the biggest kind of anime and manga series of all, like, of all time. And mm-hmm. it, 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 in its own way, depicts the Middle Ages. And I think it's probably one of the most influential kind of mm-hmm. views of how the Middle Ages get depicted, at least out of Japanese culture. But, you know, because it's such a worldwide phenomenon that we had, yeah. to, we had to kind of want to cover it. And since you did Ghostbusters, I, I, feel, I feel we can do anything. <laughs> There's a lot of flexibility here on this podcast in terms of what counts as medievalism. So yes, yes. So uh, so and uh, yeah, this is like a really kind of weird medieval kind of uh, view, right? Because I think it's like the first time we're going to do something that's both medieval and modern. Yes, yeah, in some really interesting ways. And I was excited to get a get a chance to actually watch it because I'd heard of it before. I just never actually kind of sat down and got into it, but. You know, so it was nice to have an excuse. Uh, I will note just kind of quickly at the outset. So I have watched uh, the what is the arc called again? It, it goes up uh, to the Land of Waves arc. So for a few okay. fans, uh, that's what we can be talking up to. But I can I I understand had watched the whole series, uh, which <laughs> is an unbelievable seven hundred and twenty episodes. Wow. Yes. Uh, and that, is, that includes Naruto and his successor, Naruto Shippuden. Mm-hmm. Also a bunch of movies that some are canon, some are not. So this is a, a, a series that's now like now hit its 25th anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. So 2002 to 2007 is uh, when I think the original series at least was first yeah. airing. Yeah. The uh, manga uh, that's based on came out in like 1999. So, and then, yeah, like that kind of was written up till 2015. Believe it or not, that this is actually with a successor series still going. So, oh, wow. Okay. Is that yeah, the Naruto so, Shippuden series uh, no, in the manga as well? Okay. No, there's another series after that. Which, okay. Which, but as I said, we don't want to give too many spoilers out to. Uh, okay. 
But uh, yes, yeah, so this is a, a commitment. Yeah, yeah. So, and I, I don't know if I'll quite make it 700 episodes, but I will say I uh, have thus far been enjoying it. So I could definitely see, uh, definitely see watching more, especially also because the episode. 20 minutes long, which is always kind of something I appreciate in terms of like, I don't have a lot of time. I want to watch something. Yeah. Yeah. It is a, a really a lot of fun. There's so many little weird cultural things that have come out of it. Uh, mm-hmm. not just, I'm sure ramen sales have uh, exploded over the last <laughs> years. And, and if you see people really running in a really weird way, that's, you have to think Naruto for that. Mm, okay. Yeah. Cause there is a very distinctive run. The Naruto run, yes. Yeah. So uh, apparently there's yeah. been like uh, people doing that, like competitions of the Naruto run and uh, marathons and such. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so big cultural influence. So yeah. They, yeah. Like, like it's often considered like one of the, say, 10 top animes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it might even be bigger, except for uh, some of the flaws that people find in the show. And this because it's such a, a mammoth show that there are yeah. flaws in it. So yeah, but it's still really well loved. Like like um, yeah, you know um, yeah. If you start like going on the Naruto threads and stuff like that, like there's huge communities. My TikTok, you know, is now inundated with Naruto stuff. <laughs> so just you start watching it, and then boom everyone wants to talk about that and uh yeah and there seems like there's a lot to talk about and and yeah and i will say so the we'll get into more details in a moment but the first few episodes uh when they're kind of doing this sort of early training stuff mm-hmm. there were definitely some bits that like what am i watching but as it kind of got as you kind of got into you know them actually kind of going out and going on their missions like i got i got much more invested in some really interesting material yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, it's funny, like, I hadn't actually seen those first, like, five, six episodes. Yeah. When I got watching it, which was last year, uh, mm-hmm. my, my girlfriend is, like, watching it next to me. She's more into anime. Uh-huh. And slowly, like, you know, she's like, oh, I'm going to start this watching this. And, you know, I'm next to her doing my work. And then slowly, yeah. I'm paying more and more attention as, uh-huh. as it's coming along. And then I would say, like... uh Halfway through this uh, Land of Waves arc, he's like, oh, I really got to watch this, you know. And mm. you know, and then I really didn't get hooked until another, like, about 30 or 40 episodes into it. <laughs> but, then, but then at that point, like, all right, like, we got to commit, you know. So yeah. Like, you know, three or four episodes a, ni- a night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and three episodes a night is, like, an hour, so. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's funny enough, like, a lot of what happens in the first few uh, episodes I had seen, but I had seen mm-hmm. as flashbacks. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, so, like, I had known, like, much of that story, but then, like, watching it, like, from that beginning point, it gives you, oh, it's it's, a, it's yeah. such a different tone because you don't get that yes. tone. And this is a show that changes over time. Yeah. Radically. Okay. You can even, I think, in these 19 episodes, I think you can really see a tonal shift yeah. uh, within what I watch. So certainly not shocked to hear that that, you know, that there's a lot of additional change that happens over the course of uh, 700 plus episodes. Yeah. yeah. One of the really interesting parts of it, it, it really comes from one guy, you know, his name's Kishimoto. He's the author and illustrator of the manga 
And this is his like, you know, first, like uh, he's only kind of starts this in his mid twenties and, you know, it comes on first in this uh, kind of magazine, then it gets serialized into book forms, which is, that's what kind of starts in like 99. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and like you, you can see as he kind of matures Mm -hmm. that, you know, the, the plot and story and the themes seem to change with it. Mm -hmm. That definitely makes a lot of sense. Cause as I said, I think even, even over the course of just 19 episodes, he, he seems much more mature and probably relatedly more sympathetic as a character as well. Yes. There are definitely some, so like the, a lot of my handwritten notes of the first few episodes are, uh, I hate this kid. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, 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 only to be, you hate Komoharuhu. Uh, even oh more. my god! Yes, yes, <laughs> like Nepo Baby Kamaro. <laughs> yes, like, like this is a uh, man. This is an annoying character, and uh, yep, you know. But um, yeah, like uh, it's. I I think it's part of the uh, charm is watching Naruto mm-hmm. grow up, right? Yeah, so, yeah. From, a, from this the twelve year old, as the series goes on, it doesn't actually doesn't go that many, many years mm-hmm. uh, into the future. Like, like for a, a, a thing that took him, you know, uh, uh, 16 years to write. Yeah. Uh, Naruto only ages, you know, several years. Uh-huh. Time. So, uh-huh. Not happening in real time. <laughs> but there's, yeah, it's such a big uh, dramatic kind of change uh, overall. So, yeah, it's like, yeah. But, like, yeah, this is like often like, you know, it's very much one person's view. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't see like in... Uh, you know, with Kishimoto and like, so a lot of yeah. the, kind of the analyst is really kind of trying to figure out what's in his mind about uh-huh. the, his view of the middle ages. And actually just a quick question before, before we move on is, so how, how closely would you say the anime kind of hues to the manga? Like, would you say it's like basically pretty close to the same or are there kind of notable changes? The, when the the stuff that you've seen is mm-hmm. very close to the manga, what what actually happens over these years is that the this the the show has to wait for the manga to carry okay. on their stories. So there's a quite a lot of what they call filler arcs. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Like we, and I'm saying, like hundreds of episodes are filler arcs. <laughs> you know, they they go off and they're fairly not important. To mm-hmm. the plot, so these are you know Naruto and whoever he's with go off to his village, and there's a problem, and they got to solve it. You know, mm-hmm. and, and we never see those villagers ever again, right? Because uh-huh. of, but beyond that, except for some minor details here and there, I believe yeah, the like what is created in the manga is gets seen on the show, and especially okay. with a lot of the uh, iconic moments. Mm-hmm. Okay. Before we move on, I wanted to uh, just kind of give give credit to some of the cast. Uh, and I will note, so I watched the dubbed version in part just because it, it makes it a little easier to kind of watch and take notes at the same time versus watching something with subtitles. What are your what are your kind of thoughts about the uh, the sub versus the dubbed version? Because I, I tend to normally, I would say, often kind of gravitate toward uh, toward doing the subtitled version instead. Uh, and I don't know, could end switching to that just as i said with like taking notes this was a little bit easier i i think you know i i didn't watch too many of the dubbed versions okay uh we i i've kind of looked at like you can a lot of times you have went onto youtube to see some kind of the videos of little clips and stuff like that and you can see the dub versus the subtitled 
And I think the dub is really, really good. Like there is some really good voice acting mm-hmm. uh, that comes along. It just really pops with especially certain characters. Yeah. Uh, that's done well. So and I don't think like there's very much changes to the text of like mm-hmm. what they're saying. So that's okay. that, but yeah. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so to, as I said, credit a few people. So uh, Naruto is played by uh, Junko Takeuchi in the original and uh, Meili Flanagan in the dub. And so I find that interesting, actually, that it's uh, it's a woman, actually, who plays Naruto in both versions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are actually a lot of kind of uh, women uh, doing the kind of dubbed, uh, dubbing characters or like just being the voices. And just, you know, I, can, I think it helps show his youth. yeah. Yeah, so they got, you can have uh, somebody who's an adult, but that you can get a higher voice in, I guess, right, is the reason. We have uh, Sakura Haruno is uh, one of the other kind of big characters in his squad, uh, played by Chie Nakamura in the original and Kate Higgins in the dub. Sasuke Uchiha, who is the third member of the squad that he ends up joining, is uh, Noriaki Sugiyama in the original and Yuri Lowenthal in the dub. And uh, their sensei or master who's taking them around is Kakashi Hatake, and he is played by Kazuhiko Inoue in the original and Dave Wittenberg in the dub. Uh, I will say I don't think I know any of uh, the actors from any of the voice actors from anywhere else, but it seemed like they're all people who kind of mostly do voice acting, and those aren't people I necessarily know especially well. Indeed. And uh, one thing like this, this, such a series kind of would tend to dominate their lives, their, their yeah. personal lives. And not just like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of episodes, but there's a huge fandom that mm-hmm. would want them. So I, I could see them like, uh, I know there's like uh, sometimes news uh, that comes about like the, the voice actors, what they're doing and like, will they be ready for like this series or that series? So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. With that, I think we can get into the enumerator or recap. And so with with 19 episodes, I think probably we won't have time to get into every single detail, but we'll kind of go over generally sort of what the what the arc looks like and uh, talk over some other things as they come up. Actually, I think the very first thing we see is we get the backstory, right? That yes. we learn about this, uh, the nine-tailed fox that was attacking this town. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is the, uh, the village of the Hidden Leaf. Yes, yes. There's a voiceover telling 12 years ago, the mm-hmm. the nine-tailed fox attacked the villages. And uh, the voiceover is coming from the kind of leader of this village called the Hokage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's describing it. But you get this kind of point where like there's this, this huge fox, like you can see he towers over the kind of landscape. Uh, he is like, like, awesome looking. <laughs> yes, the big red, I said nine tails. And then we see also like, oh, and he was fought by the fourth Hokage. And you see a, just a, a guy in the distance was sitting on a giant toad. <laughs> the, yeah, which is which is a cool setup. What you hear is that the Hokage was able at like at the cost of his life to seal away the power of the, the Ninetale Fox into the body of a little boy, of an infant. Yes, and we, we see that, you know screaming infant surrounded by candles yes yes so and yeah so and we we don't get the official reveal until later but uh we do then immediately transition to meeting naruto who's 12 years old 12 years old he is a lot (laughs) (laughs) yes you see him he's a a troublemaker (laughs) he is running amok through this village the village is kind of dominated by this cliffside 
carvings, uh, just like that in the United States, it's, there's yeah, Mount Rushmore, it's, I think is called yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's very Mount Rushmore ask was uh, was what I was what jumped out to me. Yeah, and these are uh, uh, depictions of the four Hokages of this village uh, that, that have that have lived and, and uh, with including the the third who is actually the Hokage again. So the third had to come out of retirement. Put it that way. Right. Right. So, uh, and he's defacing them with all these little uh, scribbles and stuff like that and causing right and gets caught. He gets in trouble. We also learned that he is uh, generally a bit of a troublemaker. He is kind of a prankster, sort of the class clown type, and that he is then the, uh, I believe, the only one of his class who does not graduate from the ninja academy that he is enrolled in, that he is yeah. the, the one who does not pass. Yes, he's this 12-year-old, but he's in a ninja school, right? Which we don't mm-hmm. really learn too, too much about. It looks like right. kind of a Japanese school. Uh-huh. Uh, you see some of his classmates, all of whom will have big character arcs. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. You know, like these are all, many of them are major characters. Uh, okay. And, and although at this point you just... Oh, you, they have one word, or like there's a look and stuff like that, and like Hinata, mm-hmm. oh, tomorrow. <laughs> so it was very. That must be fun going back to the beginning and seeing these people that yeah end up becoming a much bigger deal later. Yes, yes, but yeah, he has this a t- a teacher. His name's Ruka. Uh, Ruka Sensei. They usually always kind of like name off like the teacher Sensei at the end, so. right? But and like uh, Ruka's uh, trying to deal with this Naruto, right? Mm-hmm. He's causing these troubles, mm-hmm. and uh, and then uh, you you see they're trying to perform jutsu, which is making an image of like another. And so we should probably say like there's a lot of kind of what we would call magic. Yes. Do we want to explain that later, or we want to do that now? Like. So we can, why don't we explain now how it works in the, how it works in the show, essentially, that it seems to be basically that. So there are these variety of things that are essentially magic spells that first we, as we see, we just kind of mostly see sort of demos. And then as the show goes on, we see more of how it's actually, they're actually used in combat. They're they're making use of something that they call chakra, which is Mm -hmm. kind of a, a force within you. You can kind of think of it like you know Jedi power almost or yeah. something like yeah. that. But uh, they're able they're able to make use of that using a combination with also hand signals yes. to, to create things. And the, these can be of like almost anything. Like there's there's kind of spells, but in this case, they're just trying to show like uh, these make a an illusion of a, a, a Ruka for a Ruka. Yeah. And that there, they seem to be also a combination of things that some of them are things that you can learn basically from an instructor or from a book or scroll, as we'll get into in a moment. Whereas others seem to be things that are kind of innate and like come through like a bloodline, essentially. Yes. Yeah. There are uh, things that you can inherit. This is a show, by the way, that talks about DNA. So yes, yeah, they, you actually uh, see a double helix at some point, which I was sort of surprised by. Yes, they. Uh, <laughs> so the, yeah, we. But you know, we get we get this where like all the other students can create it, and then it comes to Naruto, and he makes a prank instead. 
Yes, that he has his uh, in the in the dub at least it's called the uh, the sexy jutsu. Yes, which he basically just like makes this illusion of this like very you know sterically yes. attractive um, kind of like nude form obscured by some clouds woman. Yes, yes, and I, I remember like kind of messaging. I saw I was watching this and like and so I gotta let you know that this there's things that are <laughs> cringe, right? And uh, yeah. So and like I get I guess we have to kind of chalk it up to you know this was originally for kind of teenagers this mm-hmm. this manga like and everything that's kind of based on it this isn't this isn't an adult show until uh-huh. the audience gets to become adults <laughs> they right yeah which makes sense and and I will say also yeah in general this is part of but not the only aspect of uh, the show at least in terms of what I've watched thus far is in my opinion not amazing from a gender perspective oh yes <laughs> would be uh, probably my biggest criticism overall and this is definitely one aspect of that is that there there is this like oh yeah so we are going to like very much be like you know kind of like creating this weird like i don't know this kind of like weird like use of body um where there's also these like kind of assumptions of heterosexuality and there's yeah yeah it's uh you know yeah like i think yeah, we'll definitely have to kind of talk about gender and yes depiction of women in this yes. uh in this series so but yeah we get the uh, sexy jutsu which uh you know naruto <laughs> finds funny aruka does not then we I, I think at some point we get this you know aruka uh we see naruto going back to his home you know where naruto essentially lives on his own yeah he's 12 and has he has no family he it doesn't seem like anybody is taking care of him except insofar as he is getting like some mentoring and care in the context of this academy but yeah he he does not have parents or siblings or adults yeah he does not have any parents we don't really get explained how that is at this point right but naruto you know has and he has pretty much always been living and we also learn that he really is shunned uh, yeah. by the community. Like you, you know, people try to avoid him. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, like anyone that seems to be older than 12 uh, wants to avoid him. And the children are told to avoid him as well. Right. And you get these lines at this point that are things like, Oh God, what would happen if he became a ninja? So you obviously know relatively quickly that there's something going on, even though uh, you don't quite get the reveal until later in the episode. Naruto steals this scroll. Yeah, yeah. He, he, unfortunately, he fails the, the, the yes. oh, final yeah, he exam. Fails. Uh, mm-hmm. Aruka, he has to uh, perform uh, the clone jutsu to create a clone yeah. of himself, and it's a pitiful clone. So Aruka fails him. And there's another teacher there, uh, Mizuki, another one of Naruto's teachers. But he later goes to Naruto's ha- uh, place and tells him, like, there's a secret, you know, like, you mm-hmm. know, like he says, you know, I, I can tell you how you really can pass because Naruto really wants right. to, you know. So yeah, he's he is very dedicated. He he wants to become the next Hokage. He has a lot of ambition, which at this stage seems to uh, not be fully matched by skill. Uh, yes. As we get that, we we have a little scene where Aruka is talking with the Hokage, and like the Hokage is trying to tell him that you know. You're very much like Naruto, uh, mm-hmm. you yourself. Uh, 
Aruka is only about uh, 22 at this stage. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, yeah, he's yeah, like everybody's he's, very young. Yes, yes, this is uh <laughs> So Aruka's, you get you know, talking to kind of like where the Hokage is trying to you know get him to help bond more with Naruto. I mm-hmm. guess the, you know. Uh, so we hear that, and then he's woken up to say, "Oh, Naruto has stolen a scroll." Right. So he steals the scroll, uh, which, you know, as we'll learn, is actually to to learn from it. But so he's going off with the scroll and Mizuki is then also going after him. And, you know, it turns out shocker that, you know, Mizuki is in fact uh, is in fact a bad guy here that he is actually kind of basically using Naruto to try and steal the scroll himself. That we learned then that Mizuki is the one who kind of makes the the big reveal and tells Naruto that the that what the reason everybody is so weird around him mm-hmm. is that he is in fact this child who, as an infant, uh, the the spirit of the nine tailed fox was trapped in his body. Yes, yes, this is like uh, this is was uh, the Hokage had forbidden anyone in the village to talk about it to tell Naruto. This sets Naruto off. He run. He he doesn't know what to think. He yeah. almost gets killed, but uh, Aruka uh, saves him, uh, taking the blow of a giant shuriken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, which doesn't kill him, but uh, mm-hmm. you know it wounds uh, Aruka quite a bit. Yeah, uh, and Naruto uh, runs off. Yeah, and. You know, so there is this kind of chase through the woods, but ultimately, basically, like they, they, you know, they talk. Uh, Iruka ends up being like kind of very nice, actually, eventually, and you know, tells Naruto that they feel that he feels like they have a lot in common. And Naruto then decides to save his teacher and uh, had learned from the scroll, has actually figured out how to do this shadow clone jutsu and uh, does it very well. So he makes many, many clones and that they are in fact solid as opposed to just shadow, which is impressive. It seems. Yes. yes he has dozens, uh, which he uses to pummel this uh, Mizuki guy and beat him mm-hmm. up and uh, save the day. And uh, meanwhile, uh, the Hokage has been watching all this on a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, by the way, that crystal ball thing it disappears after about these first two, three episodes. I've never seen it. Okay. Before, uh, they, uh, <laughs> they, but, but yeah. Uh, and then we, you know, hear that, like, uh, you know, we kind of see now that Aruka and Naruto are actually bonding quite a bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're uh, we're they're actually bonding over uh, having ramen. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's and, cute. And, that, like, and that's kind of the first. It kind of introduces Naruto. It introduces Aruka, which he's not actually a major major character. He is mm-hmm. he is there, but he is not going to be the focus. After you can like, yeah. see, like you don't see him really for the next rest of the kind of what you saw, and he really mm-hmm. is more of a person that like comes in and out yeah i was sort of surprised that he he kind of disappears after the first couple of episodes because it really seemed from that first one like he was going to be a really central character they, uh, they, yeah yeah and, and then yeah uh we get another kind of terrible episode for two <laughs> yeah um so as i said at, the, at this stage 
I did not especially like Naruto as, uh, you know, in the sense that I like, and that my, my feeling is very much, how could anybody stand to be around this child? Yes. Uh, uh, but then we get an episode that centers on actually, in fact, there's an even worse child. The, uh, so the, uh, the Hokage's grandson, Nepo baby Kodohamaru. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, he is, well, I don't know, six you know, years old. Yeah. But he wants to be a Hokage too because no one's no one's no one sees who as him. He just he's just the grandson of the Hokage, so he feels left out. Yeah, I don't know how much you want to talk about this episode. But. Yeah, um, I think the only other thing that I will note is that we have uh, uh, once again, I would say a in my view, sort of unnecessary, just like intense, like let's think about like the sexualization of women bit where you have the in fact he now you know combines the uh the sexy jutsu and the shadow clone jutsu to create the harem jutsu so now you do a lot of like traditionally sexy women with no illusions of women with no personality or you know real existence so that's felt not great yeah it's not great you know like i said like i think there's a lot of lowbrow humor Mm -hmm. those first few episodes it is something that uh, i would say the first you know 50 or 100 episodes it comes in and out and then it just starts decreasing you know i I say like you know like having humor in this as it kind of goes on is it's it it is necessary to have this because like laugh at these characters Mm -hmm. because um it Towards the end, once you start crying for them, you know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you, you've you at least humanized them uh, quite yeah. a bit as, you know, these are people that you can, you know, like and you you can laugh mm-hmm. at. And then and then like uh, when when things get serious, you know, they, uh, yeah. you know, it's, uh, you know, so uh, you, and you're almost like begging for humor. At certain right. Like, right. Please let there be a little humor. You know, because yeah, whereas I, here I, I can't take the emotional pounding that i've been t- taking right yeah which we which as i said even at the end of this arc we definitely get some emotional pounding um at the end of you know what what i watched and but yeah but here here we're really like this episode in particular is like it's very much just the humor and as i said was this humor that was not 100 percent working for me i'll also note the konohamaru when he makes his learns how to make his own sexy jutsu he seems like he's actually like copying the form of a woman that they meet in the street which feels very also like okay so now we're like using this woman's body without her consent um yes there's a lot of not great stuff going on but yeah there's uh you know there's uh, kind of cartoonish violence too uh yes uh, a lot you know you see naruto Naruto getting abused quite a bit. Uh, yes, uh, for the for fun. So, yeah, and especially also when you think about the fact that like these these are like children that Naruto is twelve at this stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we should keep it to, uh, let let you know that we are talking about child soldiers. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, when you when you think about a lot of this, like when when you step back and remember again that they are twelve. Yes. It there are a lot of ways in which it is also disturbing on that front too. Yes, yeah. So, um, and this is this is something that it gets reflected upon as series goes mm-hmm. on. You know, so yeah, 
we get little more introductions into this uh, village in the, hidden in the leaves, which is the place that they call home, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, which is, again, this kind, it has a bit of a medieval look, but it's also mm-hmm. very, uh, a modern, not quite a modern as we see it uh, today city, but mm-hmm. it is a very kind of odd mixture of modern and medieval. Yeah, and there is occasional examples even of modern technology so that, you know, he he has his photograph taken. Yes. And like the clothes also, I would say, tend to be like very, very modern, but that there are also kind of aspects of village life and of the overall culture that also seem to be very kind of draw, very much drawing on the medieval past. Yeah. Now, one thing about Naruto is that he stands out physically uh, mm-hmm. just from both his kind of like blonde hair. And also, yeah. he wears a, a bright orange tracksuit. Mm-hmm. He is very bright. Yes, which is the absolute opposite of what a ninja should be wearing. Right, that the goal of the ninja should in general, uh, both in terms of, you know, what I was reading about reality and also in terms of, you know, what was coming up within the show, uh, the goal seems to be uh, stealth. Yeah. And stealth seems to not really be his thing. Yes, this this is a very deliberate choice of Kishimoto's part. Uh, yeah, the, like uh, how he depicted Naruto, and he really does stand out uh, mm-hmm. among all the other characters. Yeah, that this is also kind of very visible when we have a, you know the kind of classroom scene, and so our next kind of, the kind of like mini arc that we have is basically uh, Naruto getting placed into the squad and the squad's then additional test prior to being allowed to kind of go on and actually, I guess, be kind of a given given this rank of um, Genin, Genin, yes, yeah, Genin, yeah. Genin, Genin, yeah, which is yeah, the he- like lowest rank of ninja. Yeah, he's he's back in cl- in the classroom, and, and they uh, Aruka and they say to him, "Well, we're going to be put with uh, a new teacher, like, and you're going to be in squads of three, and uh, all the different students are get uh, are getting called. Even at this point, you see this kind of conflict between Naruto and another kid uh, named uh, Sasuke, mm-hmm. where Sasuke is seems to be the one that all the girls love, and he's this cool, cool loner kid." They, yeah. And he was he apparently he's the one who got the highest scores and Naruto is the one who got the lowest scores, yes, we are told. Yes, yes, they um, and all the other kind of kids uh again you saw little bits of them at the, on the first episodes you see just a few more little bits of them where like nobody really wants to be put with Naruto with one exception. But Naruto uh, uh is left the, in the in the last among the last 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so basically at, at the end, well, th- there's only three of you left. One's Sasuke, one's Naruto, and the other is Sakura. And, yeah. Uh, and these will be the three main characters of the series. Right. And Sakura, Naruto has a crush on Sakura. Sakura has a crush on Sasuke. Yes. Yes. We have this quite love triangle already. Yes. Yes. Or as I like to call it a, a love angle, because for it to actually be a triangle, you need to also have the uh, the men be uh, the men be getting together there. But well, they do. They do share the first kiss. Oh, yeah. They, they kind of mm. accidentally. Yeah. So that was actually a bit. So I watched it on Hulu and that version is actually the version where that gets cut out. I was reading about I actually was reading about this when I was looking some stuff up. And apparently, yeah, they 
that got cut out of many of the like ver like that got cut out of the American version. And there are now some places where you can see it put back in and some versions where you don't. So oh okay. That's that's yeah, that's odd. They, yep. uh, they, uh, I mean, homophobic says, is, I guess, what it yeah, is. Yeah. It says, more, it says more about like, I, I, I have, we, uh, I see on Netflix here. Mm-hmm. There, there are like, a, by the way, if you want to watch Naruto, there are like, uh, sites that seem to have the entire run of it legally, uh, yeah. that you can watch, uh, dubbed or non dubbed. Yeah, they have a yeah. So in the in the U.S., they have it on Hulu. Uh, they also have it on Crunchyroll, but I already had a subscription to Hulu, so that's what I ended up going with. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, and also you can do either the subtitled or dubbed version on Hulu. We wind up that day three, and they are going to meet their uh, new sensei. Yes. We also have, I will note, a. Uh, we can kind of move on to that and the test in a moment, but I will also note in terms of another, some like not great gender stuff, Naruto uh, disguises himself as Sasuke in order to basically get Sakura to hook up with him, <laughs> yes. which is pretty questionable from a consent perspective, <laughs> although he is, uh, uh, although he is ultimately unsuccessful because uh, he had, starts having stoic problems, which it turns out later is because he drank some uh, very long expired milk. And that I will say actually was a little bit funny, if only because it was like, well, you got some like comeuppance for this uh, actually pretty gross choice. Indeed. Yeah. And you have, you get like Sakura's like thinking about what she thinks about Naruto and Mm -hmm. Sasuke. But we also learned that like Sasuke does not like Sakura at this point. No. Sasuke seems like he doesn't like anybody. At this point, <laughs> yeah, yeah, his loner mystique is you know, like you know, all right, you know, like, uh, and then you get a very important scene where uh, Kakashi, their new sensei, uh, mm-hmm. says, "Hey, can you? I want you to tell me a bit about the three of you, right?" Yeah. Well, I, I can just kind of you know, it's worth quoting in full. Uh, Naruto, mm-hmm. you know, say, "My name is Naruto Uzumaki. I like ramen. I hate." I hate the three minutes you have to wait until the water boils. And my dream one day is to become a Hokage. Then everyone will have to respect me at last. That That is his. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you can see at this point, he's, uh, he's also a bit dumb. So um, Right, right. And, and, you know, ramen and respect are his two main yeah. motivators at this stage. They You get uh, Sakura, who says they can't bring it out because she... All all her character arc at this stage is her yep. that she has this crush on uh, on Sasuke. Uh, you you get yeah. quite a lot of her inner monologue, uh, mm-hmm. which is something that uh, peters out after a few after like a, a few uh, yeah episodes. yeah after like fifty or sixty episodes, it kind of peters out okay. the inner monologue stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Sasuke, who kind of reveals, you know, I'm. I gotta have revenge. There's a certain somebody that I'm going to kill. And, yeah, you know, and that's that's it. And Kakashi reveals nothing. This is a lot, right. you know. Uh, he's a man of mystery. Kakashi is an interesting. Like you don't see one of his eyes. He's he's his face mm-hmm. is always covered. He uh, very mysterious figure. He, but he's well regarded. Like you know, like uh, like hey, Kakashi is like the best of the best, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's in his mid-20s as well, by the way. So Yeah. 
And he does, I will note after like Sakura's like basically like very like, like she can't quite bring herself to say, right. That Sasuke is a person she has a crush on, but it's sort of very obvious. And we get the, you know, uh, girls her age are more interested in boys than in ninja training (laughs) from Kakashi, which is also a a bit of a wince moment for me on that one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He should know better too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Know, knowing his character arc, he should know damn better than say. Yeah, and and I will say, I I'm curious how things are going to develop at this stage. I'm overall, I overall like found fairly disappointing the fact that we get here and there send a sense of actual skills that Sakura has, but so much of her actual arc, as you said earlier, right, really is just this crush that she has on Sasuke and she also seems she really does seem to actually care significantly more about that than she does about anything else and also seems to be I would say in general less useful in most of the combat settings that we eventually get than either of the two boys Mm -hmm. yep so and she's basically the only woman i mean there's other women that we see kind of briefly but mm-hmm. she's really the only central woman character so yeah at, at this stage as i was saying uh gender wise there are some problems here yeah and uh as i said like you know, as we can go on like this this is the one of the biggest flaws of the world yeah so yeah um but you know they become a t- uh, they become a team uh, immediately kakashi puts them to a test Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of, it's a simple test to grab this a couple of bells from from them from him that he's like. Uh, but he had, can use all these tricks and stuff like that. Like they, uh, you know, basically Kakashi has a couple of bells on his belt, little tiny bells that he wants the uh, them to go after. They kind of all do it on their own, fail terribly. So we we learn yeah. we learn that nobody has ever passed his test. Right. He also just, uh, his like move, I mean, that he's like, he just at some point like starts like reading, (laughs) which is hilarious. Yes. Yes. Uh, make out paradise. He is reading by the way. Right. Right. But that, but that you also like get a really, really interesting sense, right. Of the different styles. Naruto, you know, basically at this stage has like one move, uh, although he is fairly good at it, but he also is the one that like, he just keeps attacking. He's a first to attack. He keeps going. He doesn't give up. The others like are much slower to actually make a move are stealthier, although still not successful. Yeah, like the like the idea again, you, as you know, trying to follow if your, your concept of ninja is be to have deception, use attacks to like not seem what you're doing, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah. Uh, so like this is thing where like people can pop out of the ground. One person is using an illusion to attack another, unknowing that that person is also an illusion. So you right. wind up you wind up there. Uh, they wind up doing attacks that wind up attacking a little log. Yeah, and they're and they'll and like those scenes are very cool in terms of the the actual kind of fighting uh, and the use of these various kinds of illusions. So what ends up happening basically is that secretly the whole thing was actually a team building exercise. I mean, also a test, but that essentially the idea was that they should all work together. So basically, he says, "All right, I'm going to give you one last chance to try this," but the way. And, and I'm finally going to let you eat because he's like made them show up at like five in the morning. He's like, you yeah. can't have breakfast. Sakura, of course, is on a diet and also hasn't had dinner. Um, Kakashi and, arrives yeah. late, by the way. He's, he's uh, yes. always like yeah. a late guy. Yeah. 
Yeah, like he tells him to show up at five. And by the time he shows up, it's clearly like 11. Like, but that he then tells them, okay, so the two of you, Sasuke and Sakura, you can eat. Naruto still can't. Yeah, Naruto can't because he he tried to go after the, he found the food. Yes, uh, and and tried to go after it. So uh, so Naruto gets roped up into the, against a pillar. Yeah, so he's tied up and, yeah, can't is not given any food. And uh, they decide to share their food with him. And at first, and Kakashi shows back up. At first, it seems like he's very mad. And then it turns out that, in fact, the passing the test was, in fact, not obeying, that it was deciding that their care for one another was more important than following the rules. Yes. The uh, Sasuke is the first to give uh, Naruto the food although yeah. like he he keeps on calling him loser by the way uh, right this, like uh he has which becomes increasingly of... a little endearing <laughs> yes it does uh <laughs> it, and uh sakura is like who's very hesitant like you know she kind of goes along with with uh sasuke at this mm-hmm. point but kakashi is watching and like you're about to like oh you're about to, you're thinking that they're about to fail but you passed and like uh, yeah you know. And and now we can can become a team and do training and and go on missions. Yes. So the missions, essentially, as we as we're kind of as we learn at the beginning of the next episode, and I found <laughs> this this fascinating, is that they get sent a whole bunch of different options for missions, which range from go and assassinate somebody who's you know maybe highly skilled and going to be hard to assassinate yeah. to please rescue this lost cat or yes. babysit this child. And like interestingly including things that are often like very much like domestic labor and things that are like often like gendered as female which i thought was kind of interesting yeah yeah finding the lost cat is a running gag by the way so they uh yeah it's like you know they're telling well you know you you have to kind of learn to do different things and mm-hmm. like and it's and they kind of ex- they're starting to explain well there's different grades of like you know like uh, a rank b rank up to like an S rank mission, right? Like the yeah. kind of different stages. And, you know, you, you like at this point, they're, the team is only supposed to be doing like the little stuff, right? Of yeah. within the village. Which makes know. sense. Yeah. You know, and, and things like that, right? And like, of course, this, you know, Naruto is like, no, I want to do more, you know, like. Right. You know. And in response to this tantrum, the Hokage actually says, okay. I'm going to give you guys a mission of a level up, which is that there's this bridge builder, Tazuna, and you have to escort him back home. They end up getting ambushed by these like rogue ninja. And it turns out that the bridge builder basically, I guess, like lied to save money, which in the long run seems like maybe not the best idea in terms of like, his own safety um but that yeah but that like basically the more dangerous or difficult the missions are the more you get charged and so he was like oh it's just like a regular i just need an escort it's gonna be chill and it turns out that in fact he is being targeted by this kind of local strongman who's like a shipping magnate and who like doesn't want this bridge to be built you get some exposition here where Kakashi has to explain the kind of world to to the to his uh, three young charges. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, like, we're we're part of the land of fire. It's like that's their country and in our yeah. continent. And you get like a, a quick little image of the continent. In right? a map, so, yeah. You know, it's so 
right away you can tell this is not like supposed to be depicting of Earth, right? Like, you know, I, you mm-hmm. know when I kind of thought this, oh, this is supposed to be Japan, right? Like, uh, yeah. you know, all these, you know, but there are, you know, different lands, which are land of sand, mm-hmm. the land of mist, land of ice, things like that. And there's five larger of these ones that had been fighting uh, yeah. using ninjas for, had wars essentially but now have mm-hmm. kind of maintained this peace but now they provide military basically military service as yeah. merc- as mercenaries which you know like one can like think wow sort of this is this is odd now as uh, mm-hmm. you know, for, if, if you were thinking you were watching a kid's show it's starting to your wheels might right. start to turn right and the poli- like the the politics I find really interesting. And I I don't know, it's it seems like maybe this is the kind of thing that you probably get more of even as you go along in the series, I assume. But that there is this kind of interesting dynamic, right, that we have, it seems like, you know, some pretty heavy decentralization. And then this group of mercenaries who kind of have their own internal rules and systems, but who are not under the control of any particular government, but also have these like quasi-governmental for uh, kind of powers in some ways in terms of like seeming like they're the people who like have the like alleged like monopoly on like licit violence in society. Yes, yes. The, uh, you you seem like that like ninja actually run basically uh racketeering almost like a uh-huh. protection scam where yeah. like, they have to provide you know all the kind of police or military or assassination duties mm-hmm. where uh and, and basically and that's how they make their money like like how does how does this village earn an income like how does it like have yeah. an economy it's based on that yeah. So it's based yeah. on their military strength. Yeah. I'm also, I mean, I, I think it would be fascinating also. I don't know if we at some point do get more about this, but like to think about like the village as a whole and that, I mean, they clearly can't all be like acting ninja in this village, but it also is like identified as like a ninja village. And so I'm just like, yeah, it's very, I'm very like curious as to how the like wider, like internal, like society and economy in this village functions. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's certainly something that gets built upon uh, quite yeah. a bit, right? So it's one of the yeah. kind of fascinating things as you kind of come along is you know this world, and this is mm-hmm. very much a show that builds a world for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I found, I found the world building really interesting. They have to, so they get attacked on on the road. Kakashi, you can actually see that Kakashi's really quite uh, a good yeah. ninja. Like he's really able to defeat them too uses he like he's able to even just i think he's just spots it in like a puddle of water that he's being followed or something like that yeah yeah no it's very impressive but yeah that we you know we have our first ambush but that you know and they manage to well it's that you know there's the guy that they managed to defeat in an episode there's the guys they defeat in an episode and then there's the other guy who shows up that it takes like four episodes to fight yes yeah the uh, uh-huh. One thing you'll, uh, as you go on, is that like many of these fight scenes, many of these fights are multiple episodes. I think probably like, you know, like, yeah, you know, maybe 10 to 20 episodes of a single fight. And the bridge builder, yeah, like you kind of reveals, yes, you know, like I I really couldn't afford to pay for uh, protection. You know, but uh, and it, and it kind of says like our little you know village on the you know uh, on the waves like they're basically on some sort of island. Uh, mm-hmm. He's trying to build the bridge, and yeah, we have Gato, this uh, 
business guy. Yeah. <laughs> has has hired other ninja to stop him. Right. Who are, I guess, the, it seems like at least some of the, or at least the kind of big one that we see uh, Zabuza is like a rogue ninja specifically. Right. So he yeah. is no longer part of the ninja, the ninja community of his yeah. village. Yeah. Zabuza is from the land of the mist. We get learned later that he is not there with him. He's on his own or he has a little group with him, that, but we don't know why exactly he's doing this yet. Yeah. But he, he's just doing it for money. Yeah. So we have this then uh, multi-episode battle with Zabuza. We get some interesting information. We learn that Kakashi has this eye situation. Uh, yes. His uh, his Sharingan, I think is what it's called, right? That yes. he he has this thing where he, he kind of uses his eye to replicate the moves of uh of the of the ninja that he of his opponent essentially mm-hmm. that which is you know which is a pretty good skill and we all, we kind of you know get more detail about it later but essentially that he's he's able to do it so effectively that it in fact seems like it's that it, it seems simultaneous that it in fact seems like he is making moves you know that he's in fact anticipating these moves you know predict or predicting these moves as well as copying them yeah, he's 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 called the copy ninja, and uh, yeah. even like Zabuza knows him. He knows who Zabuza is, to, right? So, right. Like uh, they, these both have a reputation, and then you quite see like these the kids are are way overmatched. Like, like oh yeah, you know, like this this they say like uh, Kakashi like this is an S rank mission that we're on. Like like he's it even debates on whether they should continue it, right? Yeah, yeah. And and Naruto is like, no, I'm not going to give up. And he's like, this is kind of like, ugh, fine. We have this kind of multiple where uh, Zabasa, like one thing he can do is he can bring out mist. He has mm-hmm. his own water clones. Uh, they, you know, he can use the water to create his own clones. And he has this really nice looking sword. The, yeah. The, the executioner's blade. Yeah, it is like one of these like swords that I feel like you get in a decent amount of like specifically animated um, fiction of these swords that are like larger than you are that I have. I'm like, is it, is it actually physically possible for anyone to like lift and effectively use a sword that is that size? Yeah, I know. I know. It's like, it's not the weirdest sword you'll see in this show. Right. And that he is, he is, he was like one of the seven swordsmen of the mist. So right. he, he had uh, he had a special place, but Kakashi is able to kind of deal with him. Although uh, it's, uh, Kakashi gets trapped at one point, right? And the and the uh, they actually end up working together. Our three junior ninja actually work together. I would yeah. say mostly Naruto and Sasuke, Sasuke and Sakura is not given a lot to do. Uh, uh, once Sa- again, Sa- Sakura is often behind them like uh, yeah yeah you know yeah uh, she gets what (laughs) but yeah they uh again sasuke and naruto work together and naruto shows like you know his is he's clever right you know Mm -hmm. like he is in the way he can misdirect Uh, so yeah we get to see that and they, they once kakashi gets back on footing he's really able to like hand uh zabaza defeat and pum- pummels him like and basically there's like i think like, almost like a flood you know uh happens right yeah yeah yeah, yeah and, and we think zabuza is is dead and then before like anyone can really check 
another person shows up in the like uh, like uh from a tree on a treetop yeah so this young man who shows up he's got a mask and he claims to be and is also assumed to be based on this mask that he's wearing a tracker ninja who basically is an elite warrior whose job it is to track down and eliminate these rogue ninja who have you know taken off and are their own thing without the bounds and authorization of their ninja community. Yes. And, and uh, he says, I'm going to take Zabuza back. Kakashi agrees. I think Kakashi agrees because he's so weak at this point that he really. Yeah. Kakashi, by the way, like using this shower gun takes up a lot of his power. Like, and he is basically bedridden over the yeah. next several episodes. Yeah. This other ninja takes Zabuza. But you and I, and I think most of the audience yes. realize this, this uh, is actually, this is one of Zabuza's of uh, partners, and uh, it goes by the name of Haku. Uh, yes, and and uh, Kakashi actually, I think already by the next episode, picks up on this. And it's that, you know, it occurs to him in retrospect, why didn't he do whatever it was that he was supposed to do with the body in front of us? that there were just kind of certain kind of aspects of the way things happened that it occurs to him in retrospect. This doesn't seem completely normal. This doesn't seem like how things should have gone. Uh, I think probably this guy was working with Zabuza and that Zabuza is in fact still alive. Zabuza is actually really badly hurt. Yes. So he is bedridden too. And so now we have where both groups are basically at like different locations near the bridge uh, mm-hmm. And and are rec- recuperating, right? Because right. Gato still wants that bridge builder dead. Uh, yeah, he uh, almost almost uh, takes a shot at Zabuza, and Haku breaks his arm. And we have the we have a lot of conversations between Haku, who's always behind a mask mm-hmm. at this point, and, and Zabuza, where they're having this these kind of chats on what to do, and Haku, yeah, uh, you know. Um, and meanwhile, Naruto and, and company are basically with the bridge builder and his family. Yeah, um, including uh, that we have another um, annoying child, vaguely unpleasant child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of kids who are vaguely unlikable <laughs> in this <laughs> series. And like, yeah, uh, you know, and like, so we learn more about like the bridge builder, why he's doing this, like how this village has kind of suffered, especially at the hands of Gato. You know, you're learning a lot, like a lot of, you know, people die, like, like a lot of children, like, uh, have, you know, are orphans, right? Just like Mm -hmm. Naruto, which is, um, I, I think another, like, what Kishimoto saw as medieval. Right. Yeah. This, this kind of like want, wandering orphans. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so we have this kid, Inari, who, I mean, so his mother is still alive. And then he also had this, this adoptive father who was, you know, one of the very, very few people who actually would stand up to Gato. And it turns out he, you know, gets executed. He's sort of, I don't know, kind of like symbolically uh, crucified, but yeah, then actually yeah, I yeah. think his head is cut off in terms of how he actually dies. Yes, yeah. Like I was kind of like, wow, yeah, he, he's, they're actually showing a crucifixion, which is probably yeah, not something like, that's you interesting. Yeah, wouldn't see that in a Western depiction, right? No, no. Yeah. I thought that was, that was very interesting. Right. Yeah. 
but you you get the feeling like this is a village where like the bad guys have just kind of forced upon and made like all the rest of the villagers kind of cower in fear, right? Like a very kind mm-hmm. of like you know almost like uh, you know Western, like you know like uh, that the, yeah. the little town on in the on the Western Plains, you know, is the the big banker is you know lording it over and. They need like a sheriff to come in, right? Because they can't right. see themselves, right? So. And they've and the you know the big bankers got these thugs that is you know who are keeping who are you know being used to keep everybody in line. Yeah, so you like get a real sense uh, also of the the impoverishment of this village as a result, and of the importance of the bridge as really being a kind of symbol of the village being able to. Kind of make something of themselves and also of courage, essentially, that it's this kind of village that has been kind of so thoroughly cowed by Gato and his thugs that needs something to kind of remind them that they actually can, you know, take matters into their own hands. Sakura at one point, like, is just walking through the village where uh, she sees like a beggar, right? And I think like she just like in her head is. You know, she's never seen that, right? Like, you know, she's never kind of seen poverty. Yeah, which also, which also is very interesting, right? In terms of uh, thinking about, you know, what what things look like in their own village, that there's at least that kind of like claim of this being this sort of like paradise like place where everybody is, you know, where there is an effective social safety net, uh, and everybody is actually taken care of. And here, in contrast, where it seems like you know there, there is very much a kind of emphasis on inequality. Eventually, Kakashi is able uh, enough to kind of continue as they're kind of guarding and thinking that there might be another attack. They they start training again, like, uh, hey, yeah. all you guys, you get more explanation on how the how they're able to do these jutsu and using chakra to control your body. And uh, the the practice is to walk up a tree and, yeah. uh, you know, sideways up a tree, right? <laughs> so Right. And like you can, you know, hey, you know, you well, like, or basically, hey, you know, this is how we can walk on water, right? Mm-hmm. And finally, there is something that Sakura is good at that the uh, the boys initially cannot do, which I, I was like, all right, yes. that's nice. That's nice. There's one thing. I'm glad. I'm glad they gave her one thing. Yeah, and uh, so, for some reason, Sasuke is not able to do it either, right? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and so you actually get to a point where like uh, Naruto and Sasuke you know, or angry or just trying to outdo each other. Yeah. You know, like they have this rivalry. Mm-hmm. Like they, both, they both kind of turned to Sakura for help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, that was, that was nice. I liked, I liked that aspect. I wish there, I wish there had been a bit more of um, emphasizing and utilizing of Sakura's skills, but I, I appreciated this moment of that, that actually happening. Their rivalry, actually, uh, uh, in just this tree climbing exercise, actually, it leads them to actually work together, even though, like, uh, you know, Naruto's a loser. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. uh, they, they, uh, Sasuke comes to this, like, almost like when he actually almost, you know, actually falls, he, he Sasuke comes and saves him. And oh, it's yeah, so it's so funny. So, yeah, yeah, I like okay. how Sakura is like, yeah, you, I knew you could do it, Sasuke. Naruto, right. like, yeah, you, Naruto, you just showing off, <laughs> right? So Naruto stays, uh, kind of stays in the forest uh, on his own to keep practicing. Falls asleep and then wakes up and has this interaction with someone who 
he initially thinks is a girl who then informs him that he is in fact a boy. And this is Haku, who it turns out is the, the young, the young man in the mask. Yeah. Which he does not know because he's not wearing his mask. That's right. Yeah. Like uh, you, you see Haku like leaving uh, Zabusa's house mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I, to go out and get herbs. Uh, Haku uh, you know, sees Naruto mm-hmm. sleeping. And you think uh, for a moment that uh, Haku is going to kill Naruto as he sleeps. Yeah. But instead wakes him up, mm-hmm. you know, saying, hey, you're going to get cold if you're out here. Yeah. And, and, and they proceed to have a conversation. And this is one of the actually really key moments of mm-hmm. this early series is this kind of conversation that the two have. Yeah, which is very... I mean, which is very like emotionally evocative that it's really very much about the idea of fighting as being something that you do because there's somebody that you care about and that it's really about showing your care for and protecting these and protecting these people that are dear to you. And that that's something that Haku identifies as being a motivating force and that Naruto starts to kind of think about as being a motivating force for him as well, which is a real a real kind of moment of emotional growth in the sense that he, as I would say up till now, seemed uh, fairly, fairly self-absorbed. And now increasingly, right, is thinking about the fact that, you know, okay, also I care about these other people and I owe things to them as well. Mm -hmm. I think, I'm not sure Haku says this at this point, but, uh, or or later on, but uh, says to Naruto, it is only through the eyes of others that our lives have any meaning. Uh, yeah. So, like, I kind of found that a pretty profound uh, kind of viewpoint, and mm-hmm. we don't know why exactly ha- Haku has come to that. Yeah. And like, ha- Haku looks very feminine at this point. It's, mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, when you look at it, like, uh, this looks like a girl, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, and then, and Naruto refers to her, you know, as uh, "Hey, you're she" and stuff like that. Yeah. And Haku at the end says, "Oh, by the way, I'm a boy." Yeah, I like that nice little like gender, like gender fluidity or ambiguity that, you yeah, know. Yeah, this this is, of course, been a huge talking point among uh-huh. the Naruto fandom and why Kishimoto did this. Mm-hmm. Uh, my understanding, Kishimoto, in, when first kind of drafted this, was Haku was to be a girl. Oh, interesting. They and decided not to. But then like, you know, all right, well, why... Mm. Hmm. You know, like, I don't think he's ever really kind of, Kishimoto's really given a straight answer on why is that. So there's been a lot of, like, you can, you know, you just Google it. Is Haku, yeah. you know, is Haku and you will have like uh, a million yeah. things about it. But, you know, Haku has definitely made that choice mm-hmm. to to be ambi- ambiguous. Yeah, and, yeah, and, which I did think is interesting, and, and I and that's probably because of the way Haku has also been treated by society. Yeah, and that is, and I will say also, I mean, so there's there's that line that he says, right, that it's only through through others that our lives are given meaning, which is something that is very profound, but also is something that there are things about that kind of ideology that I like in terms of emphasizing, you know, what we, what we owe to each other as uh, you know, being, being kind of you know crucial to a sort of ethical code. But on the other hand is so thoroughly depressing, especially as we get more of Haku's own backstory that yes. it also seems like an ideology or ethical code that 
leaves you so potentially subject to disappointment and, and even abuse in his particular case. So yeah. it's, it's like yeah. actually sort of heartbreaking. Yes. Yeah. Like Haku is a fairly major character for this series uh, and Zabuza, although they're not mm-hmm. long for the series. Right. That they, they, yeah. they, I believe will, will yeah, both, both be at least in theory dead. I, I'm, I'm always of the belief that I, especially in a universe with magic, I never believe anybody's 100% dead. <laughs> very true, very true. So, so who knows? Uh, I mean, you know, but uh, I don't know. But they are at least seemingly both both dead by the end of this arc. Yeah. Haku leaves. Sasuke then finds Naruto just like, I wonder if Sasuke knew if that was Haku was not like the way he had that look. Mm-hmm. So, But that now quickly transitions that like very soon after uh, Zabuza is ready to go for his next uh, encounter. Yeah, and basically the remainder of this arc. So, you know, episodes like middle of 12 to 19 essentially all of that is essentially just this this battle which is uh i would say kind of is mainly divided between kakashi fighting zabuza with sakura kind of standing there and half-heartedly protecting the bridge builder yes this takes place on the bridge itself yes yes it's on the bridge and yeah, and Sakura, Sakura, Sakura is standing next to the bridge builder yes. um, and not really doing much. Yeah. Kakashi is fighting Zabuza and then Naruto and Sasuke are fighting Haku. Yeah, Naruto is not originally there. He's left behind to rest. Yes, that's right. Because he like, yeah, fell asleep in this like forest overnight. So yeah, yeah they're yeah. like, all right, you're, you're not going to join. And then he, you know, he shows up uh, and it's very much like, I'm showing up to save the day. And then... Yeah. So, you know, that yeah. is not originally how it seems like it's got personally how it seems like it's going. Yeah. Uh, you know, Haku, we see like, uh, Zabuza said like to Haku, all right, you got to do it now. You got to, no more kind of games, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Haku. And because uh, Haku is like, you know, you can tell that Haku's quite good, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, but like the, the a quick fight was with, with Sasuke. Sasuke reveals he's quite good too, but like uh, Haku, said like here's my secret jutsu right mm-hmm. yeah uh, so this we we see this kind of battle where sasuke is trapped with all these kind of panes of ice that are like glass. yeah like yeah uh, you know it's hard to i think it's hard for us to describe they're know, like ice mirrors kind of yeah ice mirrors that haku absorbs uh, himself into yes and so as that to trap and attack uh, these these mirrors and is is sort of seemingly kind of physically present but it's it's complicated i'm not actually sure precisely how to explain like how this works uh but in the meantime naruto saves the young boy and his mom from a a couple of the goons Mm -hmm. which uh, helps inspire the boy to hey we have to uh help naruto because naruto after that he kind of goes off and the yeah. boy, uh, we, we get little scenes of him trying to get the villagers to come help. Right. Yeah. They're dealing but, with these mirrors. Yeah. Like, Kakashi, like, the, the fights, especially the fight between Kakashi and Zabuza are often just two talking. Zabuza yeah. just kind of put up this mist so they mm-hmm. can't really see each other. And mm-hmm. you, you have these little, you know, chit chats between. But meanwhile, so most of the action centered on 
what's happening in this ice uh, ice little prison. Yeah. Naruto jumps in. <laughs> right. Because Sasuke is like, oh, good, this is great. I can attack from the inside. Naruto can attack from the outside. And then Naruto rushes on in. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we seem to just trying to figure out, you know, how and it takes a lot of times. Like they're trying to follow Haku's movements. Right. Like, you right. Know, you know, like, because Haku is, he's able to move from one ice thing to other really, really quickly, throwing like these little shards of ice you know, the kind of like needles almost, right? Mm-hmm. Naruto, you know, with his usual brand of like, just kind of jumping in and doing a thing mm-hmm. is doing his uh, his shadow clones again. Mm-hmm. This isn't ultimately effective, but it's in watching Haku fight Naruto's shadow clones that Sasuke is able to actually see and kind of figure out something about Haku's movements, uh, which is... A big deal. It ultimately reveals the fact that uh, Sasuke also has the eye thing. The eye thing is a uh, is a bloodline trait. So we also now have the implication that he and Kakashi are must be like actually of the same clan. That that is might, hinted that, at. That, that that might be a hint that, that that's not quite correct. But uh, okay, there's there's some indication that they 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 that, both have this like bloodline trait. Yes, and uh, yeah, Sasuke, you know, is. At one point, Naruto seems like he's about to get killed, and Sasuke jumps in front of Naruto to save him. Yeah, so like, he says, "I don't know why I did it, but I, you know, I I jumped in, and he's impaled by, you know, dozens of these needles yeah. throughout his body. So don't be squeamish at this point. So yeah, yeah, and and seem and seems for a while like he might in fact be be dead. Yeah. And Naruto then, you know, is determined to avenge him, gets mad. And this is where, as, as they will eventually describe it, it seems like the, the kind of seal is loosened and yeah. he is able to access the power of the nine-tailed fox. Yeah, he, he says to Haku, I'm going to kill you. And basically, you almost get, you can see it coming out of him, like uh, kind of like a, an aura, right? And Haku... Yeah. Haku is like, oh my, you know, what, my, what is, is this? You know, what is this, right? And um, yeah, and like Haku tries these things, and you see Naruto can move incredibly fast. Um, mm-hmm. There's the animation actually starts really picking up in quality at this. Yeah, point. yeah, um, yeah. The animation I thought here was really cool. Basically, knocks Haku right out of the glass, mm-hmm. and like just pummels him, and it goes yeah. flying. Naruto's chase. Meanwhile, Haku's mask has broken in two mm-hmm. and falls off. Uh, I think it's at this point, like at one episode it ends on that one of that episodes ends on the cliffhanger of Naruto about to, you know, do a, a finishing blow to Haku. Yeah. Well, in that Haku, so we we then get all of this backstory from Haku. So essentially, what happened is, you know, he had briefly this happy childhood. It turns out that he and his mother belong to a clan where they also have this bloodline trait. This is where we actually get the like background of like the double helix while they're explaining this, but that this kind of particularly powerful set of skills that are to be very dangerous and scary and that they're hunting and that people are hunting down and killing people who have this skill, you know, and from this family Mm -hmm. 
it's revealed that he has this. And so his father kills his mother, tries to kill him. He kills his father. Yeah. Kind of out of, out of like uh, scared, like being scared. Yeah. Accidentally reveals like his power, which basically impales people through huge blocks of ice. This, this is his kick. This is what they call his cake and guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have these kind of inherited uh, powers, yeah, and, and then Haku, you know, like kind of stumbles out mm-hmm. and has nothing because he can't go back to his village. Like the, he's hunted there, he winds up going to the village uh, hidden in the mist where he's a beggar. Yeah, like when uh, like you see you see scenes where like people just walk by him. He has to fight a dog for some food. Yeah. And so he's he he actually comes Zabaza basically walks comes across of him on another bridge, mm-hmm. uh, and Zabaza is like you know this this kid's gonna die at the end before the winter is over, but sees something in him mm-hmm. uh, sees uh, somehow sees this power yeah and it says well you you can join me but you'll be my tool right like I'm not gonna love you I'm not going to care about you but you will be useful to me. And he says, you know, this sounds great. And this is, you know, where I was getting at the, the way in which this, you know, ideology, right. Of like, we are only worth essentially kind of what, what we owe to one another and how we are seen in the eyes of others that that essentially is, you know, facilitates what is arguably an abusive relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, from Haku's perspective, this is the only person that will give him anything yeah Uh, but you know from haku uh, from zabaza zabaza you were just something to be used and thrown away right yeah uh but haku embraces this right Mm -hmm. embraces his philosophy and like in essence like if you know as we look at these battles of philosophy this is why haku loses right because uh the philosophy that he's come across is not as good as Naruto's. Mm-hmm. Including, right, that he, I mean, that he fundamentally, you know, that, and then also, like, it's interesting, right, that I feel like it, you ultimately kind of get to an idea that, you know, Naruto's growth does involve, you know, becoming not so self-absorbed and actually caring about others, but that this, you know, radical, exclusive caring about others and not the self mm-hmm. is ultimately something that is not, sufficient or accept you know or that like that's not a like good way to go through the world um that he that you know that's paku's problem unfortunately and it's a problem that very much is like born out of his horrific circumstances you know that he he feels that there that he has no inherent self-worth yeah whereas naruto has an abundance of inherent (laughs) self-worth So like Haku, like this is all revealed because like Haku, just before Naruto is about to finish off Haku, mm-hmm. he sees that it's the the boy from the forest. Yeah. And stops. And they have this conversation. This conversation is pretty much an episode long. Yeah. I'd say where they discuss, you know, like, and Haku sees himself as a broken tool mm-hmm. and asks and begs Naruto to kill him. Yeah. You know, and like ha- Haku, like, uh, you know, says, you know, like, uh, at the point, like, 
you know, we are fighting our two dreams, right? Like, uh, you mm-hmm. know, one of us cannot continue our dream. Yeah. And uh, for Haku, Haku's dream is Zabuzu's dream. Naruto eventually kind of comes like, although he's sworn to kill Haku just moments before, is having really trouble to doing this. Uh, but eventually decides to, at this point, run, run Haku through. And then Haku basically says, actually, I've kind of like, I've kind of changed my mind. I was thinking that, you know, I had nothing like, you know, no further, you know, utility, but now I've decided that I'm not ready to die. I'm going to go, I'm going to go check on how Zabuza is doing. Yes, yes. As this is happening, like Zabuza is having this fight. Kakashi cannot see Zabuza. Uh, so they're, right, uh, like, he sees uh, they're this talking, mist. But, but he, he creates this little jutsu with like a, a, a scroll. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, Zabuza is attacked by these dogs. This is the summoning jutsu where, like, as yeah. you can see, there are more animals, right? So mm-hmm. uh, Zabuza, essentially, these animals can smell the blood of uh, Kakashi on Zabuza's mm-hmm. sword and are able to track down and capture Zabuza and hold him down while as, as Kakashi prepares to finish him off. And then Haku shows up and ends up taking this blow meant for Zabuza. And yeah, Kakashi creates he's here's my own jutsu, this kind of lightning impaling yeah. through his hand. And just as about ease to do it, Haku basically teleports, I guess. Yeah. And is able to get in front of the blow. Also, at the same time, is able to destroy the scroll, which releases all the dogs. Yeah. But, but uh, you have this scene where, like, Kakashi, uh, Zabuza, and like Haku are like all together with like uh, mm-hmm. Kakashi, his hand through Zabuza, and yeah. Zabuza just bleeds out and like you know just says like you know Zabuza and 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 dies. This is you know seeing this from a perspective, this is such more of a tragic scene, especially for Kakashi yeah. than uh, than than is kind of first get, uh, than yeah. you see on like knowing Kakashi's backstory. Is even mm-hmm. more okay. More, like, there's added sadness and grief to it. So okay, they, uh, that'll be they, interesting uh, to uh, to get to. And Zabaza is now uh, free. He's able to continue the fight. And his original, it is initially like a real dick about basically being like he is a tool and he has been very useful. And like Naruto is basically like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, yeah. So they, they continue the fight. But Kakashi is still able to overpower Zabuza yeah. using these knives, these uh, 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 kunai knives, mm-hmm. to uh, basically tear out the uh, tops of the arms, like impale, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. to a point where he can't even hold up the sword. Basically, his two hands are useless. Mm-hmm. The, the fight continues. If you're wondering what Sakura has been doing at this point... <laughs> Standing next to the bridge builder. Standing next to our bridge builder with a couple of times yep. like, hey, I can see them. Hey, I can see somebody in the Yeah. Then Naruto comes out and it's realized that Sasuke has been killed. And then she goes and uh, cries over Sasuke for a bit before he's turned out to in fact be alive. Yes. As that's her. That's her yeah. deal during that's this her, that, 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 that major pitched is. battle. Yep. The, yep. Uh, at this point, Gato has shown up on the other side of the bridge. And like a bunch fire of- Zabuza, because he's too expensive. Fire Zabuza. <laughs> he's, bought, he's bought a bunch of other people. 
And, uh, you know, in Kakashi and Zabuza, like, oh, okay, our fight is over, right? You know, yeah. so, you know, they quite quickly. Gato, uh, meanwhile, there's the body of uh, Haku, which is close to Gato. Mm-hmm. And Gato kind of goes over, he's mad at over like, that Gato, that uh, he, you know, broke Gato's arm before. Mm-hmm. And gives like, he starts stomping on the uh, corpse. You know, like Naruto is like incensed at this. Yeah. So, and in yeah. doing so, he manages to actually guilt Zabuza into admitting, I guess, that he that he cares and in fact has has cared for this young man. Yeah, this is the this is the first we see of the what we we'll call what is called the talk no jutsu of Naruto. <laughs> but yeah, like you know, basically, like Zabuza says, like no, you're like you know, like it, it was a tool, and I'm going to only miss his uh, you know skill and abilities, but I won't miss anything else. And like Naruto, like even you know, he even talks you know past Kakashi when Kakashi tries to stop him saying how how wrong this is how you know you didn't let uh, haku have a dream like you know haku lived and died for you but um uh, mm-hmm. you didn't let him have his dream at all mm-hmm. haku says you know, at the point you, know, you you talk too much and yeah we get this little beautiful scene where the tears start falling on the ground from haku, from zabuza mm-hmm. zabuza confesses that you know where haku was too soft he the was he wouldn't be a shinobi uh he his heart was breaking as he was doing this mm-hmm. and now his own heart is breaking and he says yeah. and even says like now i'm also content that this is how it ends mm-hmm. they, yeah uh, and he so he he basically asks uh, naruto for his kunai Mm-hmm. tosses it to him which he takes with his teeth and he mm-hmm. starts going after uh gato and poor gato like runs behind all his men uh-huh. uh and there there are like 30 a lot men, of men right? yeah you know, all all who are supposedly you know tough tough guys right mm-hmm. and like ah what are you gonna do against us he's i was uh, like he starts going through them right like just with like uh the yeah. thing in his teeth and with a few kicks and stuff like that and is able to reach gato behind them where he's able to kind of you know stab him a couple of times then gets impaled by i don't know eight nine weapons swords and spears yep. in his back yep yeah, um, still, still keeps going for a still bit. Keeps, still keeps going, and you think it's over for him. And like, uh, you know, Agato is like, ah, you, you can join uh, Haku where he's gone. And he's like, ah, I'm not going where Haku's going. I'm going where I'm. Me and you are going to it, and uh, you know, I'm like the demon of the mist. You know, and right. uh, and basically, with a last bit of energy, is able to slaughter. Gato and throw him off mm-hmm. the uh, throw him off the bridge uh, with a few points. Uh, one difference in the manga, uh, he's, mm-hmm. he actually decapitates Haku, uh, the Gato. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they mm. uh, so they didn't include that, but but it was a very fitting death for Gato. Yeah. We we see this. Uh, then they basically he uh, takes a few more steps, falls to the ground. He sees you know, Haku as he's dying. Yeah, yeah. We the, the like a gang, vision of yeah, the gang of tough guys want mm-hmm. to, you know, well, hey, no one's gonna pay us, so let's go attack the village. 
but uh, the little kid that from before Mil- has brought is- all the villagers and Kakashi and Naruto are able to get some sh- uh, some of their clones going with the little energy they have. And uh, the bad guys run away. Yay. Hey, yes. saved. Great success. And, and we're naming the bridge after Naruto, which makes sense in the context of that being uh, what the show is called. Yeah. But in the context just of the plot, I'm like, he had a lot of help there. That wasn't just him. <laughs> Oh, it's unfair that he's the only one that gets like the bridge name. Yeah. We we get a very touching death scene for uh, Zabaza where he basically asks mm-hmm. Kakashi to put him next to Haku. Yeah. We're not we're not left, you know, sure that like Zabaza will go to hell. We get uh, the thing oh there's some snow which seems to be from Haku's spirit or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, yeah. But, uh, Haku, you know, confesses you know uh, a bit at towards the end you mm-hmm. know so um, yeah. and yeah and uh and then we are uh, basically there's another kind of one scene where after they have buried uh, the two of them together mm-hmm. uh, uh you can you see it buried because they have to leave uh Zabaza's sword yeah at the grave naruto is like you know is, is this what being a ninja is you know to be mm-hmm. used right like being just a tool yeah to be a tool sasuke also questions this he also yeah like, you know is this what it means to be shinobi kakashi's you know like well yeah that's kind of like how it is this is you know how destiny is mm-hmm. you know like he and naruto is like no this is not going to be i'm going to have my own way naruto's yeah yeah naruto and uh, this uh yeah that's the basically and it ends off with them leaving the village and but we have that kind of moment where Naruto has decided that he's going to do di- things differently. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. that's why, that's why I wanted you to watch up to this point. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And this definitely seemed like a, like a good stopping point or like a good kind of end, end of an arc. But that also is, is I think like a lot of, uh, of growth for Naruto who Still, you know, as I said, has has an abundance of sense of his own self-worth, but in a way that seems at the end here, like positive as opposed to insufferable. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, a little less the like unearned confidence of a mediocre white man, which it kind of seems at the beginning. But I, I wrote down like some like how this like uh, this particular arc and these like the the what happens here gets re-echoed throughout the series. Mm-hmm. Like uh, yeah. the, the idea that ninja shinobi are to be used uh, to be used or to use others, mm-hmm. you know, fear, hatred, lust of power as ninja, they live through horrible trauma yet are taught to be emotionless Yeah, and uh, to feel a, a need and sense of purpose. But, you know, like Haku actually gives Naruto Things like, you know, that you can still have kindness and empathy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like Haku, yeah. Haku deliberately does not kill Sasuke. Like, yeah. Uh, they, yeah. Uh, that only gets revealed, like, you know, when Sasuke kind of wakes up mm-hmm. and is not dead. And is basically it, like, why didn't he kill me? He could have yeah, killed me. Yeah. yeah. So, like, Naruto, you know, it, it says this kickstarts Naruto's process of like yeah. what he is. And like, so Haku is his initial teacher yeah yeah in like a really interesting way i think of both 
of like both learning for his example in terms of the kind of person that he wants to be in terms of thinking about him both as, you know, what, what I want to be and also what I don't want to be or, you know, what I don't want to believe. Yeah. It, particularly his ability to be empathetic yeah. to others. Uh, yeah. And he is like, I'm not going to use others. I'm not going to be someone to be used. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So yeah, so that that is the, mm. that is the first arc, and if you've yeah. if you've watched it, you've now watched what five yeah, a very five, tiny six. percentage. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you've, you've spent like what eight hours, <laughs> six it. hours, six seven yeah, hours, something six, like that. Yeah, uh, so yeah, so yeah, I, I have to say, I I am I am curious to see where it goes. Are Are you willing to commit to the time? I'm willing to at least keep going for now. I'm not sure it's, I'm not sure I'm long-term committed to 700 yeah. episodes yet, but I'm willing right. to like keep going for a bit and see how it goes. All right. All right. I can, as I said, like I can give you advice on, you can probably skip out a, a how you can skip out like a hundred or 150 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the, it rewards the long game of watching it. Okay. And because, yeah, like I said, like I didn't, really get into the series until the next arc which mm-hmm. which, would, which will be called the tune in exam arc okay hmm. so. interesting well at this point i think we can get into the vera at falso where we talk about what it got right and what it got wrong keeping in mind that very clearly well okay very clearly right this is not attempting to be a an accurate medi- you know depiction of a medieval world it's very much a world which kind of combines mm the middle ages and the 20th century. So really is that kind of, I'm like going to like bring up like a couple of interesting things is uh, sort of for, I guess sort of in some ways it's kind of combining like the Vera at Falso and the Historia at Veritas in terms of just like bringing up a couple of interesting things, which you should obviously feel free to add in other interesting things that uh, you, that jumped out to you. Of course, of course, yes. But I first want to talk about the, uh, the nine-tailed fox Ah, yes, yes. So Yeah, because yeah, because I thought it was very cool. And so then I looked up to see if it was a real thing or, you know, a real thing, at least in terms of folklore and found out that it was, which was exciting. The fox is an important figure in Japanese folklore and the nine-tailed mm-hmm. fox is in particular uh, important as has like various kind of stories uh, dating back from the kind of like early Middle Ages. Yeah, so and apparently, yes, I'm going back to like, like very early, in fact, like the, you know, like the uh, second, third century. And the emphasis is often on it as a shapeshifter that it's described uh, in particular often, it seems like as a transforming into a woman and seducing men seems to have been a big thing, but uh, that it also has, has a variety of different transformations. Uh, There's an author in the uh, early fourth century Guopu who stated uh, when a fox is 50 years old, it can transform itself into a woman. When a hundred years old, it becomes a beautiful female or a spirit medium. Or an adult male who has sexual intercourse with women. Mm. Such beings are able to know things at more than a thousand miles distance. They can poison men by sorcery or possess and bewilder them so that they lose their memory and knowledge. And when a fox is a thousand years old, it ascends to heaven and becomes a celestial fox. Interesting, a thousand years old. (laughs) Which is almost about the age of what this uh, fox is. So animals are have a lot of roles in this kind of japanese mythology although we only saw the toad for a second toads toads are actually quite important with these uh, giant toads Uh, they kind of pop in toad uh, toad magic which is again you know really interesting so 
what I what I often see is, is as I kind of go through it is that Kishimoto has made use of various kind of tales besides the ones with the foxes and the kind of the other animals. Uh, two particular kind of uh, come out. One is called the Tale of Jiraiya, mm-hmm. and the other is called Tale of the Bamboo Cutter. Tale of Bamboo Cutter is one of the oldest tales, so it involves a being from the moon coming down to earth. But I won't give away too much more on that. And um, if you've watched, you knew uh, if you watched the series, you will know who Jiraiya is. And it is really interesting okay. that we have many kind of characters here that are used uh, that we get inspiration, including Zabuza, mm-hmm. uh, uh, where he's his actually uh, is based on another kind of like ninja story from kind oh. of like the 16th century. Uh, he's kind of known as Sayo of the Mist. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sayo of the Hidden Mist and uh, Sasuke uh, is also another name that is very prominent oh. in, in like uh, ninja folklore. It's really interesting because like a lot of the, so you know we don't have a great deal of historical information about ninja. Yeah, uh, uh, that we a lot of what we're getting is this kind of folkloric mm-hmm. tales, some of which like don't even get published until the 18th or even 19th yeah. century. So like you know we don't we know what existed earlier but we like the one version that we can read is you know relatively modern but and that is true with the tale of jiraiya uh particularly mm-hmm. i think that is one that seems to have a, like a long life before it, uh, it was published so mm-hmm. but uh yeah uh, jiraiya it's a very famous uh, apparently it's also very famous these are also like tales that uh, often used in other anime and manga series sasuke is a particular name that gets used quite a lot uh-huh so, hmm. But yeah, like, and I, I found this really kind of like, this is like, all right, this is how he's taking these kind of medieval tales and mm-hmm. and reusing them in, in interesting ways, right? Like, uh, yeah, like, yeah. And, and doing uh, some interesting, like, combining of things, too. Like, I also found it striking that the version of the story we get here of the nine-tailed fox that has some interesting connections with changeling folkloric traditions, uh, which are something that I've been more familiar with in a European context, but I spent a little time looking that up. And that's also absolutely something that you find in Japanese folklore. Mm-hmm. So it seems like, you know, that those are definitely also kind of connections that are being woven together here. They often like the nine tail fox is, is kind of depicted and t- set as a demon. Right? Yeah. But also not exactly like, like the, like the Japanese, they don't really see them as the as spirits, right. As opposed mm-hmm. to demons. Right. But like at at this point it is a very malevolent entity, yeah. right? You yeah, know, this is a you know something that wants to like basically kill human kill humans. Yeah, very but dangerous meanwhile, creature. Meanwhile, the toads are 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 seen as helping, and even the dogs mm-hmm. are helping. And um, yeah, yeah, we um, you know we get to see a lot more of mm-hmm. kind of various creatures, including gigantic ones. So. Cool. Yay. I'm excited for 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 all the additional creatures. If you if you're wondering like is is nine tailed beasts? Well, you know, there's one to nine. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> like Naruto is referred to as a Jinshuriki, so which mm-hmm. uh, has some you know again is kind of used uh, like a human having a demon, like a hosting a demon. Uh huh. So yeah, the, yeah, and that there are these traditions of essentially a kind of demonic possession but not you know but in like a slightly kind of different way from how we might typically understand it right in terms of this uh yeah this idea of like the 
the body like hosting this uh this demonic presence yeah yeah where you know like uh, yeah naruto has has it but it doesn't quite it doesn't control naruto at least at this point yeah that's partially because of the way he was sealed in it but also that's partially the dynamic Mm -hmm. so and i actually find it kind of fascinating in terms of I mean, just as a kind of like big question, I mean, you know, that this is, this is something that happened right when he was an infant. So I think there are really interesting questions in terms of like, no, he's not controlled by the nine tailed Fox, but also what aspects of his personality are shaped by having that within him. People can see, uh, some people can see this uh, deem uh, nine tailed Fox within him or that it, they can see how the chakra like, and it makes this chakra mm-hmm you know, really, uh, uh, he has a, a huge amount of chakra. So he has a lot of potential just from, just from that alone. Yeah. I think Kakashi sort of offhandedly says at some point, right? Like he has even more than I do. Yeah. 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 And, uh, so yeah, it's kind of setting up Naruto for more things, right? Uh, yeah. Really a lot of fun, which is part of the great fun of the story, right? Is is character physically change, right? Mm -hmm. Anyway, we're going. We've lost track of medieval. <laughs> yes, well, but you know, including right those uh, those kind of folklore and stories, uh, a lot of which are you know medieval, uh, or you know, kind of yeah, medieval pre modern in terms of exactly what you what terminology you want to use. Like you know, if we're including like from a perspective of you know this particular society, if we're including like 16th century solidly in medieval, then yes, a lot of these uh, this pre modern folklore. We have chakra, the idea mm-hmm. of chakra, which is kind of interesting. Like this kind of dates back to like in Hinduism and Buddhism, this is referred to as this kind of inner spark, mm-hmm. guess, you know, like uh, where people can have it and harness it in ways, not in the way that we see here, but they're, right. they're clearly, clearly, clearly he has read up on some Hinduism and Buddhism. Yeah, and that they are these kind of like esoteric practices that, you know, have a connection with, you know, what we might call a kind of mysticism. And that, you know, there is there are kind of interesting ways, right, in which these kind of the relationship between kind of mysticism and magic mm-hmm. is not necessarily kind of that that wide of a gulf in some ways, right? It's obviously kind of made into a more overt, like people basically performing magic spells mm-hmm. in this show than, uh, you know, one might typically assume is act- was actually happening <laughs> uh, in the real pre-modern world, but... So, yeah, we have this kind of yeah, spiritual, uh, which uh, is, you know, like, uh, you know, helps define, like, you know, gives the characters their abilities, right? It makes it you mm-hmm. know, that they can do stuff beyond just throwing uh, daggers at each other. I also will say something else uh, on a kind of different track from medievalism. I uh, actually, so one of my common complaints is that things set in the Middle Ages that uh, they never have economies. <laughs> Uh, and so I actually appreciated that there is like some in this arc in particular, at least discussion of a kind of economic realities. And then, you know, how those are sort of bound up with, you know, with politics and, very, and with local politics in various ways, right? That we have Gato, who's this shipping magnate and who, you know, has established, you know, through through a combination of economic exploitation and these like armed and these like, you know, you know, like very powerful thugs uh, that he has established this political and economic control over this village. And the idea that like the building of a bridge is something that can allow us to kind of gain some sort of independent economic existence without him. 
I thought that was really fascinating and that, you know, it does, I think, kind of reflect the fact that, you know, we're, we are talking about a context in which, you know, commerce is important and that, you know, Japan and, you know, the say 15th century, right, is, you know, very much like involved in commerce uh, and also like fun fact, like also involved in like piracy, which certainly kind of shows up in something like, you know, what, what Gato was doing. Yeah, yeah. I saw reflections in like the Seven Samurai, the movie, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where this village is, you know, needing outsiders to come protect from basically bandits and, t- you know, bad guys. But the village, you know, it, it has to, you know, function, right? And mm-hmm. like, the idea is like, yeah, we got to build this bridge, right? They're they're trying to, you know, do something. I guess yeah. better better than the seven the, the peasants in the Seven Samurai. They just want to like a, a, a another harvest, so right. Yeah, that they're actually doing something kind of very, very active to change their circumstances, uh, which I liked as well. And that you very rarely get like a lot of a sense of the like impoverished, like villagers or peasantry as being like very, very active or having much in the way of agency in terms of trying to make their to improve their situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so. we don't. Yeah, we don't get very much. Like it's very much like all the activities are done by the ninja. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, I was I was wondering what else they uh, do in the hidden leaf in the uh, village of the hidden leaf besides, you know, doing ninja because yeah. this, this is supposedly the biggest village uh, like town in this part of the continent. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it is clear, right? But I mean, both for a variety of reasons. I mean, it's clear. I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, there's at least somebody who like owns the ramen shop. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he's an important character. <laughs> we saw. Oh, good. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> that ramen shop gets a lot of use. So. That makes sense. You want to talk about the weird technology? What's what is and what is not? Yeah. Although uh, first, I I do just actually want to note that um, there are uh, debates about the origins of ramen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably, I be- so it seems like the like most accepted theory in like food history on this is that probably ramen is not actually introduced to Japan until uh, it seems like it's an adoption of a Chinese dish and that it seems like it probably wasn't introduced until about the 19th century. But there are some claims that it goes back to the 17th century. So we can we can debate about whether yeah. ramen is a historically accurate yeah, uh, element of, uh, of the series. Kishimoto says like, yeah, I was very kind of deliberate in choosing what technologies to include and what not to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you'll find that they're uh, oddly assorted to be helpful for being a ninja. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, yeah. You you probably noticed that they walk. Uh, one thing is that they walked to the, yeah. uh, there are no cars or buses mm-hmm. or trains or anything like that at in Naruto or Naruto Shippuden. Though there is, I noticed in the background, there's a, oh shoot, I don't actually know what it's called, but like one of the, there's like some sort of like crane, like truck crane thing uh, that is being used in the bridge building process. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, that's why like, uh, so everyone has to walk. There are no horses in this show. So like, I Hmm. never, I never recall seeing like a, a, you know, a person kind of riding a horse. A toad? Yes, I've seen riding a toad. But not a horse. I actually don't know the answer to that question. What is what is the deal with Japan and horses? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't. Know. I mean, like, 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 I like. Was it a horse culture at any point in terms know, like, of like? Yeah, you know, I can't think about like I imagine there was cavalry, right? I know, like, some of the movies are uh, like that are said to be historical. Have them? Yeah, we have them on riding yeah. on horseback. 
Okay. So they could have had, okay. So yes, they could have had horses. They've just decided against them having horses, which, which I guess also if like your focus is stealth, as we'll talk about more in a moment, I can see the argument that walking is stealthier than horses. (laughs) But yeah, they have to, they all have to walk. They can run actually at quite good Mm -hmm. pace. When we say that in Naruto run, they often get, get depicted with their arms back, flailing backwards as they run. Yeah. So, yeah, the ninja can, you know, go from treetop to treetop, running along where they need to. But, yeah, like, there is no kind of mode of transportation. We saw the uh, boats. Uh, here we actually see that there was a motorboat. Uh, mm. I, if, I, if I recall, I did, does that, that does not show up in later ones. They are all kind of just sailing on oh, uh, huh. things. So th- these are the kind of things like, again, I, I think Kishimoto is like changing it as he, as he goes along, right? Mm-hmm. Giving it a bit more, l- less technology. Yeah. You'll, you'll notice that there was no guns. Yeah. Or, which certainly from the other kind of levels of technology, there could be like, even in, you know, like uh, 16th mm-hmm. century Japan, you know, gu- uh, lots of use of guns, but yeah. uh, again, you know, which really helps the ninja because, you know, as a fighting right. lord, so... I wonder if to some extent that is, I don't know, reflective in part of this sort of alternate universe where magic is real. Yeah. In the sense that, you know, if you, if you can just do magic, maybe you don't need guns as much. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, they can be invented and there's certainly the technology and not every like, like there's ninja, but like most of the people don't have uh, this do we either see a few other kind of weird modern elements? Like there was actually mm-hmm. a camera taken to take their photo. Yeah. Photography of them. We said that reference to DNA. You know, uh, you watch a little later on, you actually see like a, a video, a, v, a VHS tape hmm. being in use. Huh. And, and, never, and never again, right? Uh, right. Kishimo explains like there's computers, but they're what we he calls like no better than 8-bit computers, right? Hmm. So like he's like the, kind of the computer that I kind of remember from when I uh-huh. was a little kid, which is you know they basically do nothing, right? Like so, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. That kind of technology is you know sometimes there in the background, but very rarely mm-hmm. made use of. Like you know, we have this like where he has sees their crystal ball for these yeah. episodes, and that like disappears as, mm-hmm. as something. But yeah, yeah, is you know. So yeah, we have this kind of like. It seems that like there's electricity in the town. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it's rarely made use of. Like there are some street lights here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it does seem like there there are scenes where like they're like eating dinner and it seems like maybe it's dark outside and it is light inside. Yeah. You know, we we go to like certain like uh, houses and you can see that the buildings are like some look like like a peasant's home for the Middle Ages, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, you know, kind of like made of wood, kind of flimsy, nothing really, you know, there. Like you know, the chairs mm-hmm. are like made of wood and things like that. Others, you see this classroom, right? Like uh, there's a yeah. hospital. There's a hospital that kind of looks like a hospital with beds, right? Yeah. <laughs> they, see, it's uh, a really interesting mix. Yeah, it's very like, you know, so he's all over the place. And like, and I take it, this is like, Kishimoto is trying to think of like, all right, what is too modern and what is Mm -hmm. not, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like in, so it was really kind of, you know, this really fascinating kind of little, how he goes about choosing when and where 
And as I said, the Kanakao moves away from that, right? Like uh, even mm-hmm. the modern technology uh, as this series kind of goes along. So mm. like the village, Hidden Leaf, you know, it's a, a kind of a mixture. Like the buildings aren't particularly tall uh, yeah. for the most part, you know, but we also have like, you know, like the ramen shop that kind of looks like, mm-hmm. uh, like a, you know, a modern day restaurant, right? Yeah. So, so, yeah. I, 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 so I have to think like maybe, you know, it's odd, like you know, like he was only like in you know in his twenty five when he kind of starts this. So mm-hmm. like, like is he kind of looking back at like the nineteen eighties Japan, right? You know, and he, I think maybe he kind of explained. Well, you know, like when I grew up, like where I kind of grew up wasn't like Tokyo; it was more like on the countryside. We just didn't have mm-hmm. a lot of technology, right? So yeah and because that was the other thing i was going to say is that thus far at least we really haven't seen what things look like in like an urban center that thus far we have you know these these villages which are you know which are very close to nature in Mm -hmm. fact but you know it's it's you know doesn't take long to get from the center you know the kind of like town square of the village of the hidden leaf into the woods yeah, uh, it, you know, if I this is the largest, supposedly the largest village, and mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, there are kind of things where we see a more of an urban. Oddly enough, it's different too. Like that, like being urban doesn't make it even more technologically developed. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you can build higher, but that doesn't mm-hmm. make the buildings that better. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it, it it really is a fun kind of way of looking at, it. and I said, like mm-hmm. I think to me, this is Kishimoto trying to figure out you know what what can work in his world yeah. right because he is taking yeah. these medieval elements mm-hmm. I, I i when i kind of look back you know as i look at this you know i think kishimoto's view of the middle ages is kind of that nasty brutish and short right, right. like like yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that somewhere is hit in his mind that is the middle ages so i'm taking that concept Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say short, like, you know, like we, we are dealing with children, right. That are, are going to yeah. war. Right. And now with the exception of the Hokage, really like the, you know, the, the adults are like 25. Yeah. We do not have very many old people in this mm-hmm. uh, thing. We have a lot of people that like, Hey, yeah, my parents died mm-hmm. or, you know, people like, yeah, I've got this illness and I'm going to die, right? Yeah. Like, um, even if you're a ninja, yeah, like I could fall ill and die. You know, yeah. From like, uh, and then like, you know, uh, it's like this nasty and brutish, right? Which is in like, um, as you go on, like this series gets oh, so much tougher, right? So yeah. Much. Like, uh, like, yeah. If you, if, if you've watched the Zaozan, like in the in Haku, their death scene, like you say, oh, mm-hmm. that's pretty tough. Well, oh, man. I, you know, the yeah. emotional, you know, there's a point probably around, I don't know, 500 episodes in where I think it reaches an emotional climax. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you're just like, you're a, be a puddle on the floor. You know, <laughs> that's, that's all you'll be, right? So it's just amazing. And like, and like, so. I think it was one of the kind of characters say, you know, all you're going to find is pain, suffering, and emptiness, mm-hmm. you know, and it's so, so true. Right. And, yeah. uh, and like, you know, character, like these uh, various characters, like we're all kind of like ninja in some way and often a reflection of Naruto, right. Because mm-hmm. they seem to have 
echoing storylines, right? Like where yeah. like, they, they, you know, some of them might be also orphans or some of them might also have a, a demon with them, right? Mm-hmm. The, the way they get treated and what they kind of come up with solutions to what they see as a really problematic world. And, mm-hmm. you know, like we, we get to see like this is, you know, Zabaza's story, you know, why is he like he is, is when he gets trained, he has a class mm-hmm. of like a hundred, like he's in a class of a hundred other students in, yeah. but they decide like one, only one of you is going to graduate. Like their graduation mm-hmm. is to have them all fight each other to the death. Right. Yeah. So one is not surprised to have Zabaza comes to look at things, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, yeah. Naruto and the other characters start to realize how terrible this world is, like how, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, cruel and uh, it's just wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like so- the very like clear sense, right, of, you know, social inequalities, right, that we have people who are, you know, impoverished and starving and yeah. begging on the streets. Yeah, and, and everyone like is is just at war at each other, right? Like this mm-hmm. this is the time where they're actually set at, at at supposedly at peace. So and so the villains is not the right word, right? The opponents to Naruto are mm-hmm. often giving different philosophical views on mm-hmm. how to deal with this so yeah you know um from realism to nihilism and it's very explicit right like you know Mm -hmm. like uh if you have a chance to watch this series then go on to youtube and go on to like you know some uh uh, academic stuff to see like the philosophies of naruto Mm -hmm. uh, where it explains where um, many of these main characters have this a deep philosophical view Mm -hmm. uh which is played against naruto's Mm-hmm. And when I say like talk no jutsu is a thing, there's a lot of chats. Uh-huh. There's a lot of where people mm-hmm. will talk to each other instead of fight it out. Yeah. Uh, which, ma- which makes it so interesting. Like I think, mm-hmm. you know, for just for the monologues and speeches, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, so just be aware that if you watch this, this world shall know pain. Yeah. But beyond that, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah. But like that—that that is kind of like some of the really things. That's what really actually caught my attention mm-hmm. as, as, as I come along is as these characters. And the really great part is Kishimoto has done some incredible character work. Yeah, uh, which you can kind of see in Naruto. Mm-hmm. You can kind of see in Sasuke. But then there's the uh, flip side to that where Sakura's character comes in. Yeah, who thus far, at least, it kind of seems like he kind of seems like he wanted a girl there and uh, didn't really do much with her beyond that. But I I don't know. We'll, we'll see if uh, I don't know. Do, do you feel that that gets better? No, no. It okay. Doesn't. So, okay. you know. Sakura's character arc here, and he really doesn't know how to write female characters. Yeah. Uh, so it's super infuriating. And Sakura, Sakura yeah. being the main one, but there are other, like, mm-hmm. you'll see that there are other female characters. And mm-hmm. maybe with the exception of two or three of the dozens of characters, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of them are do what they do for the sake of men 
Yeah. Sakura's character, as you can see, is just, I, you know, infatuated with, with, with uh, Sasuke. Mm-hmm. And everything she does is a reaction to Sasuke. She doesn't seem yeah. to have that, like, you know, well, you know, where, you know, Sasuke and Naruto have their own kind of character arcs, which intermingle, but they're mm-hmm. not based, you know, like, exclusively yeah. on each other, right? But yeah. Sakura's is, right? So. Um, yeah. And it's especially frustrating in some ways because we get these, like, at least these sort of tantalizing glimpses of the fact that she at least has skills that, you know, she has like that. Like, I thought I found it interesting, right, that we have this moment that she is able to to kind of uh, master this particular skill of, you know, um, of doing like the walking up the trees uh, much more quickly than either of the two young men that we also get these notes here and there about the fact that. She really is somebody who, I mean, one of her her kind of main overarching skills seems to be that she's like a really excellent student, oh, yeah. that she's one who actually like paid attention in class and like she knows all the like book stuff. Yeah. And that could be an interesting contribution. Like that could, like there could be ways where that could have an impact in terms of the three of them working together. Mm-hmm. There could be ways that like her being like the brains of the operation <laughs> could actually be useful and thus far, in terms of what I've seen, it's not. She just stands there and every now and then is like, I liked school. At, there's very times where she is written well. There are There's mm-hmm. one particular character, uh, one particular arc that really she shines through. And it seems like, man, she is really going to develop now. And yeah. then it just falls by the wayside, that's, right? Um, yeah, that's very and, disappointing. Now there, I said, like there are many, many, many characters like um, that coming across, right? Like, like as, if you start watching, you will see now. You'll probably get introduced to, I don't know, thirty char- major characters in the next mm-hmm. arc. <laughs> so yeah, which is hilarious to think about it. There are other women characters or other female ninja. It's it's fascinating. Like you know, like he he doesn't. The, there's not enough though. Right, like mm-hmm. uh, you notice, yeah. like that two to two to one ratio seems to be uh, yep. all through for quite quite a bit, like on all mm-hmm. these teams, right? So yeah, yeah, you know, like it's odd, you know, he did it, like you know, he says like at points he based some of his characters on his wife. He gets married around hmm. like mid in around two thousand and three, so um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but oh man, I wish she had probably. <laughs> <laughs> helped him out more with like you know the, yeah a, 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 an editor would have really done you know uh, could have done justice yeah. to this so but yeah i i'm probably thinking like oh our main target audience is men young men yeah so like, boys young men you know uh in japan you know girls read another type of manga right right so, you know, yeah uh, and uh yeah so he, he, he likes out but now you know like it's like Man, I wish they could reboot the series and they, uh, they could do right. so much more. And that's the one thing. Yeah. Was, so, you know, as it kind of, we, like in November, there was like mm-hmm. uh, a 25th, this 25th anniversary, there was like, hey, we're going to have a big announcement, like the, you know, people behind Naruto, right? Mm-hmm. And there was wild speculation on the internet that they were going to do a reboot of the series. Mm. My TikTok was overwhelmed <laughs> with the same thing. <laughs> the same yeah. thing little scene right but yeah like uh, this probably like if this does get a reboot because like the animation well i i would say is not you know that crisp especially here uh-huh 
it gets better throughout. And there's some really interesting ways that they did animation in particular, particular episodes have incredible or some may say really unusual animation. But, you know, if they, they put it out today and they did a little teaser of that, man, they could, this thing would look amazing. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah, it would also would be would be nice to have the reboot, certainly also from the perspective of, yeah, losing losing a little bit of that vibe of uh, has anybody involved in this ever met a human woman? Uh, so, but I wanted to also uh, make sure to spend a little time uh, talking about Ninja as an actual kind of historical group. And we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but I also think it is it is interesting in terms of kind of thinking about the kind of overall atmosphere that we have of like, it seems it seems very decentralized or doesn't really seem like there's like an entirely effective government. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because the period that ninja are especially associated with is this uh, 15th to 17th century yeah. Sengoku or warring states period where there's this kind of series of ongoing civil wars and that this is where ninja seem to really... And it's when we kind of first start getting like extensive records about ninja, but also that they seem to be being used for a variety of purposes, ranging from outright kind of combat to, uh, you know, as as mercenaries uh, to in particular uh, espionage seems to have been like something that doesn't show up at least thus far much here. Uh, although, you know, Naruto in particular seems like he's maybe not super well suited to espionage. <laughs> yeah. Um but that it seems like that was in some ways one of the kind of biggest tasks associated with the ninja. Yeah, yeah like uh, you know, they really kind of start popping into like, and, and of course they're not really a group, like a homogenized group. Like, hey, right. you have like like ninjas. So it's like you have references uh, where, oh, and then some people did like shinobi stuff, you know, or right. one, and people, you know, went and be shinobi to do this to get into the castle we don't get a lot like you know like uh you know like there's vague you know how how they're clothed or what kind of weapons they use mm-hmm. right like you know here the main weapon like in this show is the kunai knife right Which yeah is not really considered like a ninja weapon right it's uh uh-huh. it's more like a gardening tool so mm-hmm. but uh, and, and they, that like that it seems like that in part, our like ideas because so complicated by the fact that in terms of the sources that we have available, there's such a mixture between things that seem like they're kind of reflecting reality and things that are really kind of in the realm of folklore, including like things written. Uh, we have apparently like a like not much, but like some stuff actually written like by ninja themselves mm. that include like basically like people outright stating like, oh yeah, no, I can transform into a bird. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh, <laughs> so they, often, like even like even medieval, medieval European, like espionage is is mm-hmm. is really kind of m- mentioned without detail, right? Like mm-hmm. these are like these were always state secrets, right? Yeah, uh, you know where, yeah, and like you know, I kind of remember like you know, uh, like the I did a lot of stuff on like the Mamluks and espionage, and they mm-hmm. were really quite good at it, but as one kind of the chronicler says, like all this stuff is really kept, kept hidden. Like, you know, we don't even tell, like, you know, people don't even that are doing it don't know what's going on. Right. This is really, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff that is, we keep it on the hush hush, even Mm -hmm. in government 
and it's just like uh, the enemies of like the Mamluks are just shocked at you know mm-hmm. they they kind of think like man why are these guys always here how they know all of our stuff you know what what kind of sorcery must they use right so yeah uh, and I, I think that's very reflective like here in Japan the warring states where you know these are the in the shadows. So it's something that people can project like all sorts of things and just wonder how yeah. these things can be done. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, there are things that are linked with these kind of like intense concentration that then there's like popular legends that are like, Oh no, they can do magic. Yeah. I thought that was fascinating. And and also I will note most historians seem to not th- seem to think there probably were not actually women ninja, <laughs> but there are these like references in like, there's like a reference to like the ninjutsu of a woman, which seems to have basically been like, okay, if there are places where like you need to spy and a woman would be like more unobtrusive, then you can like rely on women in various ways, but like the women aren't themselves. It seems like necessarily like full fledged shinobi themselves. I, I actually, a few, a few weeks ago, I picked up this uh, translation of a 17th century book uh, 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 written by a person that says, I was a ninja. Yeah. And here are like, here are my kind of the, the kind of things we have to know where, and he's like, he comes up with all these kind of various things. Like here, how do we, how can you tell what time it is during the night? You know, mm-hmm. uh, here's a, here's a little thing to give you like a, uh, make a compass out of like nothing, right. Mm-hmm. Out of like a piece yeah. of metal and a, a little water. Like, so you all kind of, kind of seem like kind of magical, you know, mm-hmm. here, here are various like powders and ointments you can do, you know? So yeah, it was really kind of interesting. And of course, you know, it's he's even more mysterious where he says like, and like this stuff we will not talk about in the book. I will tell you all. Mm-hmm. So it's too mm-hmm. much of a secret even for that. So Right. But yeah, very, very few actual sources to, to make. Yeah, so. which yeah, I thought was so, which yeah, is really interesting. Then that also, I think, kind of leads into the way in which they can so easily, I mean, just like the boundary between history and folklore is often so blurred. I think, yeah, very much kind of reflects the fact that like there aren't a lot of sources that allow you to say much that's very definitive. The ones that there are themselves have a lot of these folkloric elements often. Ninja uh, have been used in quite a lot of like Japanese media, you know, like yeah. manga, but like, you know, it's just, I think like now they, they can be used like in, in numerous things. And it just happens that Naruto mm-hmm. is now like this kind of one of the main <laughs> ways they yeah. depict it. Right. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's something that like, uh, it's, uh, it's often like it's a small bit of canvas that's been painted and then mm-hmm. everyone gets to fill it in. Um, yeah, which is uh, which is the fun part, right? So yeah, I guess it gives us the stuff to talk about too. So. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, and you know that you can obviously have kind of different takes, and so you know, in something like this, which has more of an interest in a kind of fantastical element, then obviously that gets played up. You know, these these hand motions are overtly essentially mad ways of doing magic spells yeah. in a way that you might you know go a different direction if you were doing something that was supposed to be a little bit more you know like realistic per se. You know, I get reminded, like, the only kind of thing I really watched uh, this like, anime's uh, movies called, like, Ninja Scroll, uh-huh. uh, which had very similar, but uh, much more adults, by the way. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, yeah, let's watch that person get bisected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, ah, <laughs> oh, there he is. We see. Yeah. And they, but they, again, they made use of, like, a lot of demons and mm-hmm. magic. And at the same time, they're fighting. So, yeah, hand to hand combat yeah 
With that, I think we can uh, move into the uh, the Fabula Nostra, where we talk about if there is a film or other piece of media inspired by this one that we'd like to see. And I'm going to go first, just like very briefly in the sense that like, I feel like I, I feel like there's like so much of this world that I'm like, only have to like just dip my toe into. And so I feel like I just have like a kind of very, very brief thought, which is that it would be interesting, I think, to have something that just because I found the world building aspect really fascinating, I think it would be interesting to have something that focuses a little bit more thoroughly on other people in this world. So thinking about like, what is it like to be in one of these villages, for example? And so I think it would be like fun to have some sort of like spinoff where like, the ninjas are like, um, are like minor characters who occasionally kind of like get called in, but where it's like focused on these like ordinary villagers who are like trying to figure out their like local economic situation and then like have to like call this ninja to, you know, get their cat. True, true. Oh, there is one of the spinoffs is called Rock Lee and Friends, mm-hmm. which uh, is one of the other ninja uh, but it, it is the one aimed at kitties, or it is really presented as a children's show. I don't, I don't quite get. Mm. It's still, got the animation is they're all kind of cutesy little things. Yeah, if you, if you know the Japanese cutesy look. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's how they're pe- depicted, right? So okay, I, I just stumbled across. Like I didn't even know that it existed, mm-hmm. and then I as I saw Naruto, like, like, what, what is this? You know, so it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that kind of delves into some of the other characters and is also very nice uh, self-referential uh, mm-hmm. reference. It touches up the comedy, like, you know, why they don't have technology, yeah. like, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, how can we don't have this in our village? You know, we have right. running water. Oh, come on, yeah. we have running water in our village, you know? That, that could kind of, you know, kind of fall into what you're looking at. Where yeah. We, there is, yeah, plenty of world to kind of build. And also, like, the um, you get to see the other lands quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very I'm very intrigued about that in terms of that, you know, the, the kind of brief glimpse we get of that map really does give a sense of this being, like, a much wider world than we've seen so far, which I think is really cool. Yeah. I think that definitely is, yeah, something yeah. something it seems like the show does. That, yeah, yeah. yeah like, like, it's hard for me to think, like, what they haven't covered in Naruto, right? Yeah. Like, you know? But yeah, like there are like Naruto is always the main character, but he's not mm-hmm. he's not the sole char- main character, right? Yeah. Uh, like there are going to be plenty of episodes where other th- people are doing other stuff, and mm-hmm. Naruto, and we get to see Naruto doing his own thing, mm-hmm. but um, we get invested in other characters quite a bit. Yeah. And, you know, Sasuke in particular is uh, like also like it could be like considered like the main another main character. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. So but uh, yeah, like I said, I've got my favorites have not even really been introduced yet. So Mm. as as I as I start buying the media. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's hard to tell, like I said, like they're they're continuing on with these stories, right? Like, yeah, the story has not quite ended. And it actually doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. What does it get covered? I guess like I would have liked to see. Yeah, I think it's. I'd like to see. Yeah, how these, you know, villages actually, you know, mm-hmm. ex- did stuff and existed, you know, without ninja, right? Like, yeah, uh, because it's very sense like it's, these ninja are like an uh, very much a, a oppressive kind of force upon them. Mm-hmm. Because, they are yeah. the they are the police. They are the military. They're also the bad guys. 
you know, like, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they are the solutions and causes of all the problems in this world. Right. That I think it would be so interesting to have something that, that kind of grappled with that in terms of thinking about like, I don't know, when like ninjas show up, like, are you necessarily that happy about it? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah. Oh yeah. That is something. Yeah. And, wow. And that, that is actually one of the main kind of story arcs is mm. people that suffer because yeah. What does that lead to? Naruto's story is not the most tragic. Uh huh. And I mean, as we've already seen, like Haku is like, woof, that's uh, and yeah, that might yeah, like yeah, so far, uh, so far win on tragedy. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, Haku's is is yeah, not nearly <laughs> the most tragic either, to be honest. So, mm. um, even like Kakashi, you know, like there's a uh, at one point the character is like, you know, you don't know how tough it has been haven't seen anything you know like everyone turn on you and you've got mm-hmm. did you lose everything yeah you know like and then <laughs> so it, it's it's fascinating to see just see this kind of level like but yeah mm-hmm. like you definitely see with the perspective of others right and like yeah like this this i can see how the how influential this is like you know people on the fandom talk about how this changed their lives and mm-hmm. perspectives like there'll be fewer kind of things that would like talk about like an anti-war perspective mm-hmm. as, as compelling as this, right? Uh, you mm-hmm. watch this and like, man, you know, like we can't fight, you know, you know, like yeah. in, Jap- in Japan, you know, has this, you know, there are very clear echoes to how Japan re- views violence mm-hmm. and warfare, right? And, yeah. less- and lessons from World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's, you know, like, that is all being expressed. Kishimoto is trying to express that. But yeah, like, uh, you know, people like have taken this quite to heart. And said, like, I said, like, very important scenes deal with violence, uh, using violence, mm-hmm. using revenge. Yeah. Of what does that mean? And, and how to build a, a, a better world, right? Mm-hmm. And the solutions they come up with are you know, fascinating and horrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and it's that, phil- as I said, like to me, yeah, it's a hugely philosophical yeah. work, mm-hmm. uh, which is, yeah, makes it, you know, makes it a kind of a fascinating watch, right? So, yeah. So yeah. If, you, if you can get past the sexy jutsu and the terrible female <laughs> characters and try to avoid these never ending arcs uh, mm-hmm. of uh, that aren't canon, you know, you will be in for a treat. Like you are, well rewarded yeah for these shows yeah well i think that then leads into the estimatio where where i feel like i'm going to give it a rating that is probably not fair entirely <laughs> given that i have only watched 19 episodes yeah. and that's why i think i'm going to give it a three out of five and that essentially kind of taking off points in part for the fact that like should not do well with gender no. certainly i've seen and doesn't sound like that gets a lot better <laughs> And also in that, I think in terms of what I've seen, uh, you know, it's that I've seen this very tiny percentage and in the tiny percentage that I've seen, it, you know, highlights the fact that like, it took a little while, right. To find footing mm-hmm. that you have to kind of get through a bit before you get to a sense of the show, having a kind of valid emotional, kind of like mm-hmm. strong emotional arc. I felt like I had to kind of get in a little bit before I really kind of felt like I cared about the characters Naruto in particular, I felt like it like took me a while to yeah. find him sympathetic. Yeah. 
And that's the kind of thing that, you know, I, so as I said, I, I think it's very possible that had I watched more, uh, you know, based on what I've heard from you, at least that I've been watching more might give me a different rating as, you know, those, those kind of like six episodes at the beginning sort of recede into the background a bit more, yeah. <laughs> but with, you know, a relatively small portion that feels like the, the right rating for where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I love the world building and I found like a lot of elements really fascinating. Yeah, I, I think you know you you kind of see the potential of where this series yeah. can go, and it, if you carry on watching it, and this goes that like you, you do get rewarded, like things do get better. You know, I'd probably give it a four out of uh, five. Mm-hmm. Like my the game dreams, like the, I said, like all the problems that there are. You know, we're looking at something that what is it? Uh, did I say two hundred and fifty hours of content? <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, two, uh, 264 hours of watching just this show, hmm. not including the movies, not including the spinoffs. The... That's a lot of hours. Then if you add in, if you want to like read the manga, which are like still going, right? Like if I if I do that, like, you know, it's like uh, 200, you know, of that, you know, I, I wish I wish I had like 50 or 60 hours back. So uh-huh. that, that okay. Gives, that, All right. That gives me, you know, still 200 hours of like, you know, stuff that really engaged me. Yeah, like I kind of feel my like 2022 was the year of Naruto for me. Uh-huh. Yeah, like I think it's uh if you have the the time to invest in it, I can't imagine that people had to watch it like on a weekly basis. Just, you know, the emotional wear and tear on them as they waited for a new episode either to come. Yeah. Like like the the points that they stop some of these episodes, uh, yeah, would have would have been rough already. It seems like it would have been rough to wait a week. Yeah, like uh, so, I, I take it in, like uh, you know, uh, and also like uh, there's a huge fandom to mm-hmm. to appreciate, right? Like, yeah. uh, like the conversations that are in depth. There is some really good stuff about philosophy. There's really good mm-hmm. people watch that do like the, the watch alongs and yeah. reaction videos. That pile of material helps it alleviate upwards, which, you know, and I said, like, there are plenty of kind of, you know, drawbacks and problems, you know, and yeah. you, you kind of wish, oh, man, could you redo it? You know, like, you know, and it could be perfected in a way, yeah. right? But, you know, yeah. it is a, as a product of its time, in a sense, and as product of this one particular person's view, you know, it, you have to kind of accept his flaws and his mm-hmm. what's good because that, you know, what yeah. makes, what the flaws in it are also the product, like, you know, how he's able to, you know, make it great at points. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 The one of those that, yeah, that for, for better or worse, right. It's a particular person's vision. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You know, and like this, and like, uh, so, and then like, I, uh, so I'm kind of looking at it, the medievalism part and like how mm-hmm. he Kishimoto has looked back on the middle ages and I, like I yeah. find that is a very fascinating. So like the people that are, that are listening here, you know, like, you know, here is a really interesting take on the medieval mm-hmm. past. If you consider like, Hey, like this is how 250 million people have read this book, mm-hmm. these books, yeah. who knows how many millions of people have watched it. Like this is one of the main ways people look, think of the middle ages is, mm-hmm. is from this, right? Like, yeah, you know, I, I can't think of like, all right. It's probably the like game of Thrones level. Yeah. Yeah. So, and especially when you think about, you know, the global reach, presumably that it happened. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Peter, for coming on and discussing this. 
Thank you. We've, we, I, I, I think we've blown records for how long a show is going to be, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, so I, this is it's going along. They, I said I had to justify my commitment into this, so <laughs> I, 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 I think I, I think I've, uh, I'm happy that uh, you know I really had had a chance to talk about this, and uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I look forward. Hopefully, you'll you'll want me again. Absolutely, anytime. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah. So in the meantime, are there places where the listeners can find you on the internet? Uh, you know, just look for medievalist.net, our website. We're on on all kinds of social medias. We are just, uh, we've been kind of doing online courses. So we've been mm-hmm. re- uh, recruiting people to, that have like a, a teaching background to teach various kinds of courses. So um, if you want like some more in-depth education, you know, we're offering that. We're We're getting into doing actually publishing books too. So I don't know where I have the time but, uh, <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, and we're like, we'll kind of see. And um, if you're at the IMC this year, International Medieval Congress, uh, come watch our podcasts, live versions, and I'll be there talking about how to do a podcast or how, well, how, to, how, to, how to make money on a podcast anyway. Oh, so. well. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hardest part. Well, thank you so much. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in your preferred podcaster app and rate and review. I'll read new five-star reviews in future episodes. Please also follow the podcast on Twitter at Media Evil Pod and join our Facebook group. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sarah H. Decker. If you have any questions or suggestions, I'd love to hear from you via email at media.evilpod at gmail.com. So Peter, thanks again. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to Media Evil. Bye.